two, one. Welcome back, guys. I am here joined with the all-powerful James Phillips Yoga. <laughs> a little added uh, something there we'll get into in a bit. Um, yeah. But uh, James is super cool, dude. Uh, we met whenever we were li when I was living in San Diego. I honestly don't remember exactly how we met. Maybe he'll be able to fill us in on that. But uh, <laughs> James uh, is a big yoga guy. Um, probably the best yoga teacher in San Diego. No offense to any of the other yoga teachers I know out there. Uh, with that being said, I don't know if I've really had too many teachers. I mean, I had a couple and then whenever I was introduced to James or however we met, uh, I was like, this is the guy. I'm going to go with him. His flow was dope. Always knows how to push people who need to be pushed. Um, and yeah, so, you know, we've always had like pretty deep talks about psychedelics, aliens, uh, you know, beach, yoga. There they are. He brought the shirt just for it. He knew it. So without yep. further ado, the all-powerful James Phillips. What's going on, dog? Yeah, it's uh, good to be here. I'm happy to help you start out this podcast. Um, I listened to you and Kevin's podcast. Super dope. I Sweet. loved it. But yeah, kind of kind of bouncing back onto how we met. Um, I remember the first time we had met, uh, you, AJ, and Clay had came over to uh, Ryan and Leticia's apartment. I'm Clay, right? And I was in the phase of kind of getting into the, what is my friend group going to be in San Diego? Like, how am I going to find friends here? What am I going to do? Am I just going to be alone? And, you know, with my background, and we'll kind of get into that with, with uh, me not drinking is a, right. was a really difficult thing. Um, so when I had met you guys, it was like party scene. Let's drink. Let's take some Molly. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's, you know, let's, let's live that San Diego vibe be life. And I was like, damn, I can't connect with these right. guys. You know what I mean? Like how, how the hell, how am I, how am I going to be friends with these guys? So I didn't really give it much thought to like really even talk to you guys or put myself out there or sure. whatever. And then, you know, one day I came and played volleyball and I was, you know, I was, I was pretty wrong, you know, about how you guys would take me in and, and welcome me to your group, even though I didn't drink and I didn't really dabble in a lot of like, if you want to call it party drugs or whatever, you know, like barely even taking really mushrooms at the time. But uh, yeah, it was a, it was a cool, cool introduction to the group. You know, you guys took me for who I am and what I was and just the energy that I brought. So uh, that was much appreciated. It's for awesome sure. to hear that perspective, um, especially because I know when we did meet, I was drinking as well. Uh, since then, and I guess, I guess you would have probably had some inspiration over that, you know, over the last two years. We would have probably met three years ago, three and a half years. About three years ago, I moved three to years. San Diego, March of 2018. So I would say about half, about half the year in. Yeah, we, so about three oh, yeah. years on the money. Wow. Yeah, about three years. That first summer that I was here. That would probably be yeah. whenever we met. So yeah, about three years uh -huh. ago, we would have met. And then I started kind of questioning uh, just everything about life. And part of which was alcohol. And I started questioning that, you know, probably about two years ago where I started. I remember there was a realization I had. I don't know if I was talking to you about this, but I had a realization where I hadn't drank. I hadn't gone a week without drinking since I was like 18 or something like that. And it like really like shook me. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, you know, it's one of those things where you're always like, oh, well, if you know, I had to stop, I could. And so I was like, all right, well, let's test that out. And so I think I went like 30 days um, without drinking. And then that just changed my perspective on shit. Do you remember when that was? Because I feel like 
I feel like that was maybe when you started coming to my yoga classes at yoga six, because I remember like when I would be mopping up all the sweat and you and I would just kind of have the room to ourselves after this dope ass Friday morning, Friday sculpt, we'd get that Friday sculpt in. And then we would always have a little bit deeper and more deeper and deeper conversations kind of as time went on, like you would kind of hang around, we'd wring out your shirt, you know, videotape it, show you flexing a little bit, (laughs) looking sexy. But we would always kind of get more into life topics in that yoga room, which would make sense. Right. I mean, that's what yoga is for. That's what the room is for to create that energy. So I can't remember if that was because I remember you you had started phasing out because like, dude, your your transition that I've seen in the last three years has been super inspirational. And like you said, like when we first met, like you were at the Honey Hole every weekend, never missed, right. taking shots, drinking beer, doing your thing, partying, going out at night. Right. You know, you were working at uh, which bar were you working oh, at? Yeah, short club. at the time? Water short bar. Club. I was a bouncer. Short there. club. Short club. Shout yeah. out short club. Um, I remember no you had uh, what was it? You had quit your job to party for like Fourth of July or something like that. I quit <laughs> but, on Fourth. I think Fourth uh, of July was my last day there. Yeah, I was just like, I can't yeah, do this. Yeah. So, but yeah, like the transition was so cool to see. Just like you stepping into the yoga room like having these conversations and like getting to know you better rather than like oh just this guy in san diego that just wants to get fucked up all the time like you know he's got a different side to him and he's starting to see that through many factors so from now till from three years ago like dude i haven't even seen you take a sip of alcohol i don't even remember when like we just take micro doses of mushrooms or smoke some weed or you know chill in a whole different vibe yeah that's a great point too about like you know, it's, there's a weird thing where, and it's so hard to explain, but like, you know, you kind of were touching on it where, you know, if you're, it's like an energy thing, right? When you drink alcohol, it almost kind of numbs you. Like, and you don't, you don't connect on the same level with people as if you're sober and, you know, kind of what you're touching on. First of all, shout out to the Friday sweat. Um, if you go to my Instagram, uh, Clayton Q. Terry, uh, in the highlight reels, there's a Friday sweat. Um, if you find that, that's always after this guy's yoga classes, his sculpt classes, um, where we just like ring out my shirt. Uh, that was great. I love that. Um, unfortunately the whole COVID situation put a damper on that, but getting back to the positives. Um, yeah, I mean, it was probably around somewhere in that time frame, Right. And then we start having like those coffees mm-hmm. and whatnot where you start just, you know, thinking of things in a different way. It's like, when alcohol, at least, you know, to where I was in my life, it was like, alcohol was a big piece of that. It was like, you know, when are you drinking next? What are you like, what are you going to do when you're drinking? And it was all very, you know, I hate to say that I was brainwashed since college, but it kind of felt like, you know, if I'm going to do anything, it's going to involve alcohol, celebrating, you know, partying, having fun, hanging out with people, alcohol was always there. And so like when you remove a core, (laughs) a core thing of who you can, who you put yourself around, like, who do you become? Yeah, man, it's totally different because alcohol is the top instigator of the social game. Right. I mean, you, you go anywhere, you go, you go to brunch, you go to the bar, you go, you go to the park. I mean, people are drinking seltzers and, right. and stuff like that just to just to get that boost just so that they can feel more comfortable talking to even just their best friend right you know what i mean so it's like it, it, it like covers up your bullshit almost it, like it, it yeah it, it kind of like splinters you from it almost and you know i and i'm not saying this is for everyone so if you're listening and you drink i'm not saying this is you for sure i'm just 
highlighting for me, mm-hmm. I'm just highlighting myself, is it's like when I stop drinking, you know, you alcohol almost like takes away that edge and allows you to almost be present. That's kind of the way I would phrase it is like alcohol alleviates that n- incessant need for thinking and it like makes you be present almost, but kind of in a bad way where you're not being consciously present. It's more just impulsively present. Uh, and so mm-hmm. you, you become present, but it's impulsive as opposed to conscious presence. And you, you sort of, you become numb to it and you're not in control. Like you're present, but you're not in control of it. And so any little thing that kind of gets put in front of you, you just jump on it and kind of go for it. And which makes it difficult to connect with people because if, first of all, you're not present to even begin with, you can't have conversations. You can't have a podcast. You can't connect with somebody one-on-one. You can't sit there and be engaged in the conversation. And so then whenever it like expands out, like to alcohol, you know, I, I'm kind of losing my train of thought there. Maybe I'm going a little too deep too early, but that's kind of the way I've been starting to see it. Maybe. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, some, some people are pretty good about it. Like, I mean, nothing against drinking. I mean, free world. I mean, I want anybody to do whatever they want to do, but there's a lot of people that do suffer. Obviously. I mean, it's, it's no hidden. Everybody secret. does. And it, I think it's everybody not, does. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, especially when it comes to alcohol, like obviously there's the cases of like liver damage or the alcohol withdrawal and stuff like that. But, you know, deep down, a lot of people are putting themselves through drinking just because like, you know, we were saying before, just because of the social network in the society. Right. right? So like, I know tons of people and this was, this is what happened to me and and why I quit drinking, not because I'm against drinking, drink your alcohol, have your fun, try to be smart and, and and in tune with yourself while you are but like a lot of people waste so many days being hung over and having anxiety so like my biggest thing is the panic attacks the the day after like wake up and it's one two three four five days of just feel feeling ill and just panic and shaky and just depleted like and I, I've heard a lot of a lot of cases where it says that that's like a withdrawal symptom, right. you know. So it's like one night of drinking, I can wake up and my body's convulsing because it's you're having withdrawals, and then like, you know, a, a hangover is from severe dehydration. You could so, argue you know, it's, it's a like a lot of, of people, withdrawal too, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of people put themselves through a really nasty hangover just so they can have two hours of fun at the bar the night before, and it's. That's kind of where I realized that I needed to take a step back from drinking. It's just like I'm literally living in hell for sure. multiple days just because I wanted to have fun at the Christmas party last night. Well, you know, and it's so I'm curious. Do you think that in your situation, because like a five day anxiety thing, I'm not sure a lot of people can relate to that. Like I know people who drink one night and they're fine. Yeah. Do you think that was all <clears throat> alcoholic induced? I don't think so because I was suffering from anxiety and panic attacks since I was 19 and I stopped drinking when I was 25. July 25th, 2015, I had the worst panic attack of my life when I was hungover. Uh, I was at a huge music festival in Wisconsin, middle of the summer. I mean, it's real feel is 115 degrees with humidity. There's thousands of people around. And a couple weeks prior for 4th of July, the last 4th of July that I had drank 2015 I had drank for like three four days straight because 
I would wake up and say, I need to drink mm -hmm. again. Otherwise, I'm going to have panic attacks all day. Jeez. So I wake yeah. up, I drink for the weekend. Same thing the next, you know, Saturday morning, Sunday morning. Tie it on. Got to drink it away. Hope exactly. So when I did that, I was actually in school uh, for respiratory therapy. I was just, just at the beginning of the program. And I remember I had drank Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I was having panic attacks all the way till Thursday because I had to leave class. We had a guest speaker in one of our classes. And I literally didn't even get to pack up my stuff, my books, my notebooks, my backpack. It was like 10 minutes into right. class. Boom, 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 boom. Heart's racing. I'm starting to sweat. Thirsty. Can't even think straight. I had to just walk out and go sit in the hallway for an hour and a right. half until this guest speaker was done because I was too embarrassed to go inside and grab my stuff. But I was too messed up to go in and sit through this. And then a couple of weeks later at, yeah, at this music festival, you know, I had planned to go and not drink and I get there day one, 10 minutes in, I'm like, oh, Sam Hunt, he's on the main stage, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So by Saturday morning of that event, I woke up in my tent at like 6.30 in the morning and just had the worst, the worst panic attack of my life. It lasted like nine hours. I was down in people's Xanaxes and, all sorts of anxiety drugs, just drinking chugging water and electrolytes, it would not go away. I was, you know, a few seconds close to just having somebody rush me to the hospital about 20 different times, but everybody's wasted. Yeah. So I couldn't have anybody take me. Yeah. I didn't want to call 911. Right. Uh, I quit drinking that day, cold turkey. Jeez. Done. And so, couldn't take it anymore. So. I mean, you know, you know, some people maybe can't do that, but good for you if, it, you know, that's what you got to yeah. do. Um, it, this is reminding me of, uh, well, I guess the question is, is this is reminding me of what you were telling me. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you, um, you know, that's kind of the negative of it, right? And I can, can totally relate to the anxiety. I personally never experienced like the five day stuff. Um, the next morning mm -hmm. for sure. Like I remember I would text people like, I don't want to say weird shit, but just like anxiety invoke shit where it's like, I'm texting you this out of anxiety. It's not because of other reasons. Um, and, you know, quitting alcohol, I'm sure, is a huge thing to that. But where's – I guess the question is, is did you feel like just stopping alcohol fixed the anxiety attacks? It played the biggest part. The biggest part. It's – I mean 100% because in the about five-year span of me drinking when I had – was starting to suffer from anxiety mm – -hmm. I mean, I, I started drinking, I was like 15 years old, 15, 16, right. you know, so there was a good portion of my life where like I was smoking weed and drinking, I could do whatever I want, no anxiety. Right. About 19, 20, I started having panic attacks and, you know, every, every month got worse and worse. Every hangover got worse and worse. And kind of going back to like my five day hangovers, that's, that was all, that was the trigger to my anxiety to make it worse than it already was. And when I quit drinking, I lost, I mean, I'm already a pretty skinny dude to begin with, but I had lost 15 to 20 pounds Damn. in the first two months of me not Damn. drinking. All here, all just sure. kind of like in my hips, just that sure. water weight that you carry of just poison sure. in, in reality, you know? So just being, just doing that and then that kind of gave me the more motivation to really start taking the next steps in my life of like, okay, what else am I suffering from that triggers my anxiety? Alcohol was the number one thing right. because like I could eat a plate of pasta and 
for sure in that time of my life, I'm going to have a panic attack about an hour later because of the sugar crash. Interesting. But it's not going to, it's not going to go to the next day. It's not going to go two sure. days later, just from like a bowl of pasta or a grilled cheese sandwich or something that might trigger my anxiety. Yeah. But alcohol is just in your system for so long. It's hard for your body to get it, it out. It, it, right. And it, and it, and it wants more. Like it's just like sugar, just like anything else that's addictive you're putting in your body, coffee. It's wanting more, but alcohol is just doing something different to your body. That's just, it's, it's really craving that. But yeah, quitting alcohol was the number one thing. I mean, probably 80% of my panic attacks were induced by alcohol, whether right. it was the next day or even a week later. Right. Um, and then that gave me the element in my mind to really figure out what else was causing panic attacks. And so when I had quit drinking in 2015, obviously it was a slow, gradual, like I was still having panic attacks for months because I was coming down from not drinking, from kind of changing my friend group. Not like I say, I can't be friends with you guys, but hey, I can't go to the bar Friday night. Right. I can't go to the bar Saturday night. You have to find night. other things. I can't go to yeah. these. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, people can can argue this or not, but a lot of people don't reach out to people who don't drink Oh, for sure. because it's just the truth. It's like, Oh, well let's invite James, but he doesn't drink. Why would he come to Mavericks with right. us? Or why would he come to water right. bar? Or why would he want to really come to brunch when we're all drinking mimosas and doing this? And it's, it's a truth, but also for me, that was a, it was a good, it was a good thing in my well, life let me, because I want to push you kind of towards the positives because I, and let's push this towards mm -hmm. yoga is because I know there was an interesting, because I I know you as an, a fantastic yoga teacher, but as we all know, that wasn't always the case. Um, uh -huh. Are you able to kind of guide us down your path? Like, where did where did yoga? How did yoga come into your life? Was it like during this time period, <laughs> and like what happened on that journey? Yeah, I mean, and that involves panic attack and anxieties too, and facing a fear, a biggest. So, a, the the yoga room used to be one of my biggest fears. Okay. I mean, dr like God awful dread anxiety used to be all over my body when it came to going into a yoga room. So like I said, I had quit drinking in 2015. I was making these transitions in my right. life. Um, I had recently moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin from La Crosse, Wisconsin, which is about a four hour drive South, just on, just above Chicago. Right. Um, and I was pretty much all by myself. I had one really good friend there. She was super busy. But one thing that we could do together was we started going to yoga together. So I had a friend that would go with me. That was fine. I wasn't alone. It was like two, three people in the right. room. That was good. I had ended up moving back to La Crosse, Wisconsin, you know, about six to eight months later. And I started going to a different yoga studio with my friend, Allie. And Allie was like this great yoga teacher, like, super inspirational travels the world. And I'm like, Oh dude, my life would be fucking awesome if I could get it to be like right. that, but I can't get on an airplane. I can't drive my car across the country because I'll have a fucking panic attack. Oh wow. So she, yeah. So she and I started going to uh, root down yoga studio in the cross Wisconsin. And it was, it's kind of like reach and yoga six where like it's packed and it's hot and you're going to sweat your ass off and you're vulnerable. Right. Like you're super, super vulnerable. And like you're in this room for 60 minutes at a time. So like, you can leave whenever you want, but you also have this fear of like, oh, fuck, everyone's going to look gonna at me and think, what the hell's wrong with yeah, this guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah Give me for like, that sure. guy's leaving. So exactly. Like, what the hell is his problem? Yeah. You know, and they don't understand. They might not. They don't know what's going on with sure. me. But Allie and I had started going to yoga together, and I had never been to a yoga class by myself. Yeah. 
So Allie would, I mean, I, I would thrive in these yoga classes with my friend, sure. you know, there'd be some times where like, I would feel a little panicky or whatever, but I was, I could, I knew she was there if she had to walk out with me. So one day she couldn't make it to class. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to yoga by myself. I'm going to go to an evening class. I'm just going to get it in. I'm going to sweat. I'm going to go home. I'm going to go to bed. Tomorrow's going to be a good day. Well, it didn't happen like that. <laughs> Never <fortunately>. does. <laughs> so I go to yoga and I, was, I would always set up my, my yoga mat the closest to the door as possible because if I had to leave, I would just want to make a nice little Irish exit, not have anybody notice me and get the fuck out of there. So I set my mat up closest to the door. About 15 to 20, okay. 15 minutes in, room is packed. There's 35, 40 people. My heart starts racing. I'm feeling so awful. I'm like, okay, how am I going to get through the next 40 minutes of this class? I'm already having a panic attack. Not full blown yet. So right. I'm like, you know what? I can't do this. I cannot do this. I freak out. I roll my mat up. Panic sets in at 100%. I mean, we're at a 10 out of 10 for panic attack. And for anybody that has panic attacks, it could be a little bit different for everybody. For me, if you can relate to mine, it was all physical in these moments. And what that feeling can be like is death knocking on your door is the simplest term that really? I can. I mean, it's like at any moment, it just feel like your, your body is going to shut down. So real, Whether your heart's going to... So real quick, is this, ahead, is yeah. this, so this is something new to me is... There, I guess, based on what you're saying, there's a difference between like a mental panic attack and then a physical one. Or did you, when you were drinking, was that more mental or physical? More physical because I would have the anxiety where I would get the convulsions and the heart okay. race and the sweating and the clammy palms, the weak. Sometimes my legs wouldn't work. Okay. The, the mental with me comes with it as well. Like the self-doubt, like, is this person judging me? Gotcha. Like, uh, am I enough or any, any downfall of mental or just racing thoughts racing thoughts racing thoughts okay. for me it was more physical it, it, it's always been more physical which gotcha. it's it's an unexplainable feeling unless you've had it's just it. like this so like kind of feeling oh man yeah it's it's the worst okay. it, it literally just feels like your body's slowly slowly shutting down and it's about Jeez. to just turn off any moment Jeez. and it's your heart, it's your legs, it's your arms, it's your shoulders. Sometimes you just clench and tighten up and you can't move or sometimes, yeah, sometimes you can't think mentally too. Right. So like in this moment in the yoga right. class, it turned into okay. both. It, in that moment, I walked out of the room with my stuff. I couldn't find my shoes. I couldn't find my bag. I couldn't, I couldn't find anything. I could not even locate where my stuff was in all these cubbies. This girl walks out of the back and she's like, are you okay? I'm like straight up. I'm like, I'm just having a panic attack. I need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh my so gosh. she's like, she's like, I understand. She was super cool. She's like, I understand here. We have some electrolyte uh, things in the back. Why don't you take one with you? Some Pedialyte, grab a couple oranges on the table. She's like, if you need to chill out, I'm like, I just need to leave. I'm like, I, I appreciate you. I don't mean to be a dick, but like, yeah. I, I just got to get yeah. out of here. And it, and it, in Wisconsin, this was the middle of winter. It was already dark out at five 30. So that doesn't sure. help. So, a couple minutes later, I find my stuff. I'm chugging this water. I go down into my car and I start it up and I'm trying to take these big, long inhales and exhales. And at this time, I didn't know breathing like I do right. now, you know, it's and it's, it, it's hard to even to take control of your breath when you're having a panic because most people are like, just breathe. Yeah, That's not the yeah. easiest thing to do. Sure. You know, it, I mean, it's hard it's, to do it. The best thing to do. It's hard to do it when you're not panicking, yeah, yeah. like to focus on your breath. I can only imagine if you feel like mm -hmm. the entire world is closing in on you. 
to be like, exactly, oh, just breathe, man. Like, <laughs> it's yeah. Like, so if like if anybody that doesn't know what anxiety is like, and your friend or family member is having anxiety, you ask them, "How can I be here for you, or what can I do?" Try not to control the situation. Right. Try not to just tell them to not think about it or to just breathe or relax or, you know, offer them some water. Right. Ask what you can do and ask what can you do? Just what can you do for them in the moment? Because they they might not need anything. They might just need space and time or someone next to just them. get the fuck out of there. But uh, yeah, so that's what I did. I panicked. I went to my car. I drove all the way home, 10 minute drive. And panic attack was at 100% the whole way home. Every turn I was about to turn off was about to turn off, turn off to the next Jeez. road and just let my panic attack happen. I made it home. I got up to my apartment, collapsed on the floor, dead, just laid there. I think I fell asleep that night. No shower, no nothing until the next morning, like just in that spot. Jeez, like I just had to pass out. So <clears throat> wrapping around kind of how that brought me to do what I do and why you say or anybody else says or why I have the complete confidence that I'm a fucking badass teacher right. is because I can, when I would after that moment I was like okay yoga is now a fear of mine it's a deathly fear that I can't conquer alone but that I want to conquer alone because I had already quit drinking I didn't think I could do that right. I had slowly started changing my diet I didn't think I could do that I had quit smoking cigarettes Right then and there, didn't think I could do right. that. So the, the next thing was, okay, I want to be able to drive my car without having panic attacks. I want to be able to fly in an airplane without having panic attacks. And I want to be able to take, I want to be able to do yoga without having panic right. attacks. So after that moment, the studio was about a 10 minute drive away from my apartment. At two, about two days a week, I would drive to yoga. And I would just sit in my car and I would never go inside. And I would look at my, my clock, right. 9 a.m., shit, class is starting right now and I'm still fucking sitting here. Like, you loser. Like, what are you doing? You know, that self-doubt, sure. just this is, you know, whatever. So I would drive home. Yeah. Depression, anxiety, you know, no motivation now for the rest of the day because I couldn't even go to yoga. So I'd get up a couple days later, drive to yoga, sit outside not go inside. This went on for like, I don't know, three, four, five months right. where I would drive to yoga and I would never, ever go inside. That's crazy. So through so two days a week, through these me, two days a week, sometimes three, you know, two days a week. Sometimes me, I would say see if I can like summarize this just to, you know, keep you <laughs> yeah. in track. Cause this is, this is a wild story. I, I remember you told me bits and pieces of this before, but I love, I mean, I, <laughs> it's a weird way to say I love it, but you know, I, I'm sorry you yeah. had to go through it, but it made me who I oh, am. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I truly believe like, yeah. you know, you find the darkest pieces of you, you integrate the darkest pieces mm -hmm. of you and it makes you better. Um, yeah. So to summarize, I mean, you, you go to a, you go to a one class, right? And by yourself, you have the worst panic attack. The first class first ever, class by ever by myself. By yourself. Yes. You have the worst panic mm -hmm. attack of your life. You then go home. You're on your ground for what an entire, probably multiple hours it sounds like at least 10 yeah. to 12 hours um just convulsing or just feeling like the world's closing in and then for the next five months you, you realize it's a fear you realize you need to conquer it which you know again all the commemoration to you that's huge and a huge part for people some people would just cower away from it and say i'm never going to yoga again and just be done with it 
Um, so, you know, you then are like, okay, I got to conquer this. I somehow, some way I need to conquer this, which then leads you for two to three days a week. You would go for five days and just sit in the parking lot while people were five teaching. months, five months. Sorry. Yes. Uh -huh. For five months, you would go and sit in the parking lot watching as people are, are not watching them doing yoga, but knowing that people are doing yoga and then have this negative self-talk, um, for a couple minutes or for the length of it and then leave is that kind of mm -hmm. what happened exactly on point dude i would watch these happy people carrying their yoga mats skipping into yoga <laughs> drinking their water having fun going with their friend i'm like oh i want that so bad but just why can't i do this right. so yeah i would i would do that for so long and it's it's kind of hard to think about kind of what gave me that push to finally walk in the yoga room. But I remember throughout those few months, I would, I was starting to figure out other things that were causing anxiety as well. Okay. The, you know, this was, I had already quit drinking. Right. So I, you know, it was the whole like carbohydrates and refined carbohydrates sure. and sugars, oh. you know, like that stuff I was starting to slowly figure out through podcasts. I mean, if, if there's one thing that also changed my life in a huge, huge, dramatic way, it was listening to podcasts because real people talking about real shit that want to make real change. And this is why that I'm loving that you're That's doing awesome. this because it's, it's, it's what we need. I mean, you're describing we need real genuine people. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what you were talking to Kevin about is just making that change. But like, eventually going back to the story, I finally, finally went into the studio after like five months, I was changing my diet. I was doing all these things. I was going for runs. Right. So I was running at the time. I was just, you know, tr trying to take care of my body any way that I can. But to sum it all up, I finally went into the yoga room and I set my mat away farthest away from the door that I could. Badass. I just went all the way to the far corner. I set it up. And I'm like, panic attack or no panic attack, you're not leaving this room. You're not fucking leaving this room. So I did it. I did it. I did a 60-minute class. And I, the feeling that I had was just so successful and so amazing that like, I am so happy that I went through that bullshit. I'm happy that I'm not sitting in this yoga class, whether it's my first or 100th yoga class. Right. And didn't ever have a panic attack. Right. Like I am so unbelievably grateful for those five months of just dread and bullshit because that high that I had, right. maybe there's someone else in that room that can compare. Maybe they were going through some shit, right. but 99.9% .9 of those people in that room had no idea the bliss that I was feeling. You feel like the accomplishment feel, and like the just peaceful and just like peaceful and resonating I, it, or peaceful, resonating, accomplished, just Happy, I was happy for me. Aligned. I, I, I was so proud yeah. of myself. You yeah, know what I mean? For that sure. I faced that fear. What got you? Do you know what got you that little spark that one day? Like, was there something that you thought? Was I, there something that clicked? Or I don't remember. I remember I just drove. I didn't even hesitate. I just walked out of my car door, slammed that bitch <laughs> shut, walked up the stairs. I don't, it was so long ago. Yeah. It's now four, four and a half years ago. You know, that I just... But there, you weren't overthinking it. It sounds like you weren't overthinking it. You were just being present. Yeah. Just doing what needed to be done kind of thing. I think it was... I think really the biggest thing was the other small adjustments I was making okay. before I walked into that room. Gotcha. The running, the trying to change the diet, the... The maybe there was certain friends in my life that were bringing me down. You know, it gotcha. it wasn't just that I was just doing that two days a week to overcome this anxiety. Right. It was doing that. Okay. 
while I'm doing this and I'm not going to yoga, I could run. Right. If I have a panic attack in the park, I have a panic attack in the park. I'm not in front of a bunch of people. Right. You know, like changing my diet, what helps, what doesn't. And at that time, I still didn't know shit about fuck. Oh. So I was still eating bullshit. Yeah, sure. You, know what I mean? but, you, you, were, you were making a conscious effort. I mean, it sounds like going and sitting in there was exposing you to bigger, not bigger issues, but other issues or other imperfections in your life. And you started orientating those. And at a certain point, you just were like, all right, this is today's the day I, you know, I've done everything I need to do. There's not really any other bullshit for me to mentally think about. And maybe, and you know, I remember when I started meditating, um, you know, three, four years ago, it would be a lot of negative thought that comes up initially when you start. And I think it's a huge reason people mm -hmm. stop meditating is because they don't want to be exposed to those negative thoughts. But to you, absolutely. But so what it seems like is almost those two days a week to you were those meditative practices. And although it came in the form of self-doubt and self-talk, it was, you were really becoming more in tune with who you are because I mean, you know, you're not your thoughts, but that helped you realize like, well, these are just thoughts. I can conquer these. I can move past these. Okay. What do I need to do? I need to start running. I need to start cutting sugar. I need to start doing this or that, you know? And, and it seems like all those things just started building up. And then you got to this place where you were like, well, I have nothing else to lose. Like I'm at this peaceful hmm. mindset. I'm peaceful enough that I can walk into that room and you're like, Oh, that back corner right there, that, that would be the biggest thing I'd be afraid <laughs> of. You know, let me go put my mat there, you know? And so then you became just, uh -huh. it sounds like you just became fully aligned at that, at that moment. Dude, that's such a good point. I honestly never really thought about me sitting in my car as like a meditation because for me it was just, depression and guilt and whatever else feeling I had about myself. But looking back at it, that, that is a form of meditation, hundred percent, hundred percent, because it, it is me thinking, why can't I walk into this room? Right. Like, why the hell can I not walk into this room? And then on top of the, on top of the, uh, the meditation, it was pure manifestation because it was looking at that door saying, I'm going to walk through that door one day and I want to walk through the door one That's day, beautiful. just like those people skipping with their yoga mats, all happy to see each other are walking through the door that day. Right. So dude, I never really thought about it like that, that it was a meditation. That's pretty but crazy. if you really try to think about it, sitting in my car that's thinking that's just doing nothing thinking about, I assume you were yeah, doing nothing. Doing nothing and you were thinking. just staring at that door. Uh huh. That's yeah, crazy. dude, a little meditation and little manifestation. Uh, it's real, man. Yeah. I guess, yeah, the the small changes, that that little that little those little small amounts of of uh, meditation and driving home and not wanting that anymore was, uh, I think, the big push that did it for me. So, yeah, man, I made my biggest fear, one of my biggest fears, my life. I mean, you became and great at it too. I think that has everything to do with it. I think, and it's not that I, I'm obviously not everybody's going to say go out and say okay. What is my biggest fear? I want to make that the one thing that I'm great at. Right. But there's 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 ways to get over certain fears. And, sure. and maybe it's flying, maybe it's snorkeling, maybe it's surfing, or maybe it is doing yoga. Right. You know, but if if you want to if you want to do something, whether it's it, it makes it your job, like mine, like teaching yoga, or whether it's just a hobby you want to start right. or a change in your life, like a lifestyle or a diet, like those are all fears, you have to put yourself through the discomfort. Right. Because just like you and Kevin were talking about the other day, like trying to paraphrase. Sure. You got to go through some bullshit. Right. Because like you were saying, like 
the 10 out of 10 Camrys leads to the 10 out of 10 Range Rover lead, you know, and that can be with anything. You know what I mean? Like you could go to a yoga class and never experience anxiety about it. Uh, And it may not be the same 10 out of 10 as me or that guy over there that has been having panic attacks in yoga for a year, but now he's able to take yoga. Right. You know what I mean? So discomfort leads to so much positivity i can't even explain it it's unreal and it's like you got to confront it head on too like um there's like a metaphysical and then there's an internal my internal thing and i tell people at the end of my podcast is like you know if we say something that irritates you on this figure out why meditate on it go and find exactly where it is in your body and become integrated like integrate that into who you are and i always tell people that because i found so much truth there that's the internal thing the external thing and the best corollary I have here is whenever I decide to quit my job, it's like, you know, I talked about this in the interview with Kevin. It's like, you know, for two years I wanted to live in Brazil and just be in Brazil and just be able to live there without like worrying the world. Well, you know, how do you do that? Well, <clears throat> it, that was my intention. Right. And you know, you're in, in the parallel here is your intention is getting into that yoga room and you know, you can't just pick up and go to that destination, right? Like you can't just, right. it's not just an instantaneous thing, right? The the journey is exactly. the destination. And so it took me some time. I needed to get out of debt. You needed to cut out carbs. I needed to quit my job. You needed to start running, you know? And so it's like <laughs> all these little, it's like, well, here's where you want to be, but you're going to have to conquer these individual little things in between to get to that like higher level place that you want to be. Exactly, man. That is so true. Like, yeah, if you think that you're just going to get up and go, I mean, unless you have a million dollars in the bank, sure. But we're not talking about that case. Right. We're talking about people that have jobs like you and I that are, you know, going through the situations that us that like most people are going through. There's a very small right. percentage that could literally just grab some money out of the bank, head to Brazil, head to Argentina, head to France, whatever they want to do. Dope. I hope you love that life. I hope it's great. The key, the key, and I hope you feel success through that. The key is it's not as uh-huh. it's not as valuable. Like even though they get that monetary, even though you have the monetary money to do it, there's a difference mm-hmm. between going through this whole process and being like, holy shit, like, you know, me sitting here and putting this all together with the parallel of your story where it's like, holy shit, I had to do this, do this, do this, conquer this fear, conquer that fear. Like I was scared as shit to quit my job. Like, don't get me wrong. It was oh, not yeah. easy. I had to think about it for probably five months. Well, it's probably longer than that <laughs> if I'm being honest. And yeah. I just, I remember bitching to my parents about it for so long. Um, and it was just like, I, I got to quit. I got to quit. I got to quit. And eventually, you know, it's, it's like, you have to confront those fears. Like, and maybe you see it's like the biggest fear you have, but there's these little minor, it's like, well, what's the smallest thing you can do that gets you to that? It was like, all right, I need to save more. Part of it was to stop drinking because it helped me save more money so that I could alleviate the fear of money. You know? So it's like, it's just like mm-hmm. all these little things will balance. It's like, oh, now you quit your job. Now you can get to that big thing, you know, but versus if you just have the money in the bank, you get from your parents, you don't learn all these valuable life lessons that take you on this journey to, to get to that thing that you've always wanted. Yeah. It's like everybody's starting at this point right here. When you're born, you're starting at this point right, right here. And it's about how high you go up 
depends on how much bullshit you go through with that process. You well, know, like there's a lot of people that just like flatline because they have that money or they get right. everything handed to them as a kid or they get the car bought for them at 16 right away and it's a fucking BMW and they don't have to worry about shit. But then there's, there's some, you know, like my mom, she was a single mom raising four kids. You know, she Damn. had to give me her hand-me-down hand grand, grand am. And it, I mean, it was dope. And right. I'm happy I had a little kind of like a shit car because – you know right now i own like my first nice car of my life and it's a 2017 ford focus but dude i fucking love that car yeah because i've drove cars that literally caught on fire on the highway or fucking boom engine blows in the morning when i'm on my way to work because it was a fucking two thousand dollar car or a thousand dollar car or whatever but right now i drive a 2017 ford focus clean slick tinted windows and i'm like this is the best fucking car (laughs) in the world i love that anywhere in this thing you know and you're at yeah, a 10 out of 10 your car situation is a 10 out of 10 it's the best car in the world <laughs> I, don't need I don't need anything else i mean that's i'll so make my amazing. way up to a tesla but that's a, that's a few years down the road you just got to set that couple intention more, you'll make the little stuff a couple more yoga classes a couple more there. yoga classes <laughs> stretch out some more people i'm telling you you got to oh, make yeah. a website you got to make a website for uh where everyone can find you I know I do. You know, the, the business side of things are really coming for me and I'm really excited for it. Um, it's something Good. new to me. Um, you know, when I'm, you know, as, as, as confident as a teacher I am and as, as much uh, positive feedback that I get as a teacher, right. like, man, I'm, I'm only two years into teaching barely and I can't even really count. I mean, I can because I did a lot of sculpt classes, but not like the typical yoga classes. But like during COVID, like there was a six, seven month period where I didn't teach a class in a studio. So in reality, like I have about a year and a half under my well, belt. I would argue that that gave you the experience though of how to film yeah. yourself in a room by yourself. Mm-hmm. So you can upload content to a website where people can come and find all your individual yoga stuff. Yeah. I have a, I have a, a friend of mine. Her name is Steph. She is a, a yoga teacher, business coach. Like she coaches oh, okay. yoga teachers to create their online business. And she gave me a, That's sweet. she actually gave me a, a free session a couple weeks ago because she's partnering with a website called if any, so if any of you guys are thinking about creating a, a platform for workouts, yoga, or anything related to workouts and you want to build a library, there's a great uh, website called sutra.fit S U T R a sutra.fit. And they have it all built for you. It's amazing. So that's kind of like where I'm okay. leaning towards. So like you just – you could put your – so you can start like a YouTube channel, like a private one and post a video to that. And then you can just grab the link and put it right into this box into the website. And you can categorize all your uh, all your videos, all your whatever. So you can have like vinyasa and anything you put under the vinyasa will go under that long library. Just right. like it looks like kind of like YouTube, like those long strands of videos. But it gives you like the sections and, of it. It's like here's my yeah, it's here's also power flow. Exactly. And you could set you could make subscriptions, you can make packages, you could just put out one time like like a six week program. Dude, uh, that's sick. So that's it's it's really dope. And uh they have it everything for you. It's all set up. All you literally gotta do is like create a bio, put on your videos, you know, and create subscriptions and then promote it. And that's the phase that I'm in now. Um during COVID, it was cool teaching online. It's a different feel. So for me, it's going to have to something that I'm going to have to get used to and be okay with, but it is part of the life that I want. I want to travel. I want to come meet you in Brazil. I want to open invite, man. You know, I want to exactly. So it's like, I want to be able to be on my own time and my own, uh, my own schedule and something like that gives people, um, 
gives people that freedom. So yeah, my business side of things are coming along. I love it. I love hearing um, that. Yeah, but teaching in the studio right now just gives me the ultimate high. Well, you're and surrounded I, by people, you know. Is there an opportunity yeah. you can like guest teach if you go to like Brazil? Oh, but then you might. Would you be able to do that? You might need to learn Portuguese. Yeah, I took a couple of classes in Portuguese when I was there, and okay. it was super dope. Um, help, depending yeah. on if the, yeah, yeah, right. Depending on if the studio uses mostly Sanskrit, which is the yoga, like yoga terms, the the language of India and stuff like that, you could probably get away with it. Okay. Um, as long as you you can learn simple terms like, you know, right arm high, or right. you could say open to Virabhadrasana two, which is warrior two, or something like that. Like you could get away with it if that studio uses a lot of sanskrit but then you never know which what do you mean by sanskrit students. what's that Sa sanskrit sanskrit is the yoga language oh. so like virabhadrasana 2 virabhadrasana 1 virabhadrasana 3 anjana asana is crescent lunge virabhadrasana 1 is warrior 1 virabhadrasana 2 is warrior 2 oh. so on and so on so Ut utkatasana is chair pose Uttasana is forward fold. Uh, that's Sanskrit. So Sanskrit so the, is that a language or is that just the Sanskrit's a language? Yep. Oh, yep. okay. I've never it's heard a of language. it. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, it's the it's the language they use in India, like Buddhism and oh, shit like that. Okay. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. I mean, it shows you my ignorance. So they speak, <laughs> dude. But it's like, honestly, I went so going back to I guess my yoga journey. Sure. Um, you know, I I did my yoga teacher training in India. Oh wow. Um, okay. And that was the first time that I ever left the United States. It was the first real test. Oh, that, that yoga class. I didn't even think about that. That yoga class. Yeah. Was, you got the plane. Was, it was a test, but I was safe. Right. I could leave that room. I could fall. You're not in. in you're not in a small cabin for 14 hours flying across a sea. And I had a. Yeah. And that was another fear of mine. Sure. Was flying. Sure. Because with anxiety comes uh, claustrophobia. Mm -hmm. Just in general. Right. So. I mean, dude, one of my biggest fears was even flying two hours away to go see family, sure. flying from Wisconsin to California on a four hour sure. flight to come see a friend. So I actually, so yeah, I moved. So I started going to yoga in the cross after that panic attack and, and that didn't cure it. I mean, don't get me wrong. There was numerous of times where like, I would have a panic attack in the room, sure. but I learned how to start controlling it. I never had to like leave the room anymore. I never had to just go home and panic and cry about it. That's, I, obviously, I cried about it a lot because I didn't want to have anxiety sure, anymore. Sure. But I was able to like stay in the room and get through yoga classes. I want to highlight real quick. So, real quick, I want to highlight uh -huh. how important is what you just said that, you know, just because you had that one moment of like this full alignment of just this is awesome, I fucking did it. It doesn't necessarily mean it all goes away. There's still like that process of like smoothing it out where it's going to still keep coming up and you just have to be present of it. And then exactly. um, it sounds like you were able to take that to your to your flight that you do whenever you yeah. go teach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's always going to be lingering anxiety right. for someone who has anxiety like I do. Like it's always going to be lingering in the back of your mind for the rest of your life. Sure. It's just a thing it is. It's not like, oh my God, I suffer from anxiety. I can't get rid of it. It's it's just right. the truth. Right. From my experience, there's... I don't believe there's any cure to anxiety. I don't think you can just boom, get rid of anxiety because you're always going to have your triggers, just like an alcoholic, it's a natural human emotion. sober. Yeah, exactly. Like you're going to have those small triggers, but yeah, the, one of the biggest fears was getting on an airplane. Right. So I moved to San Diego and another, did you fly to San Diego? Of, okay, go ahead. No. 
So okay. one of the biggest fears was also driving. Okay. So like I lived in a town in the cross that was like 60,000 people. Okay. It would take about 20 minutes to get from where I lived to my hometown, which was through the busy part of lacrosse, through a couple cornfield, blah, 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 blah. 20 minutes later, you're at like my mom's. Right. But if I wanted to make that drive five, six, seven out of 10 times, I'm having a panic attack halfway through because I know my house is that far back that uh, way, but my mom's is still that far this way. You're right in do the I middle. Do I turn around and go, yeah, I'm like, do I turn around <laughs> and go back home or do I try to get the rest of this drive in? And a lot of that stemmed from, I had drank a few days ago and I'm still sure. feeling like shit. Okay. You know what I mean? Because like when I would wake up in the morning from drinking at a party, you know, I would try to drive somewhere and I have that anxiety, I would have a panic attack. So then it would, it would give me that reoccurring anxiety later in the week, just driving to the store, driving to my mom's not even hung over. So it just became like a reoccurring anxiety in my life. Like I'm in a car, I'm in a confined space. There's traffic. I can't just pull off on the side of the road and get out of my car and right, run away. Right. Like I'm, I'm in control of this vehicle. Right. So, you know, through the process of, of taking care of myself, figuring out a different diet, listening to podcasts, going to yoga, getting through other things, just like leading up to yoga, right. going through other things that made me uncomfortable finally led me to, okay. I can now drive my car across the country full of shit with only my side mirrors because my rear view mirrors blocked from all my shit yeah. and I can make it to California. Like right. I can do this. So March of 2018, I said, yep, Wisconsin is enough for me. I can't do these winters anymore. I can't do this gloomy ass weather, this on and off sunshine. I need to be somewhere where like I could find some natural dopamine, right. <laughs> you know, and I just needed a change in my life. Like right. the anxiety was starting to, to go into my past and my friends were starting to go into my past. And you know, the, the town that I was in, it was just nothing but bars and it's on the river. So everybody just drinks some parties and there's not like a yoga community. There's not really like a workout community. Right. There's not that good of hikes or things to do outside. So within a two week span, uh, March of 2018, I dropped out of my respiratory therapy program. I quit my job. I packed up everything that didn't fit. I packed up Love everything it. that fit into my Ford Explorer and I finished out my lease at my apartment. I found a, like a little shack in the back of some dude's backyard that one of my friends was living in. Right. He made it into like a, like a glass room with like curtains. It was pretty dope, but I was like, you know what? I'll take it 400 right. bucks a month. That's how I'm going to start my life in right. San Diego. And I, I drove out. I drove out uh, anxiety free, you know, through all the just, all the changes the that way. I made. And yeah. And then, um, you know, so I moved out here 2018 of March, March of 2018. And I went to India in November of 2018. That was the first time I left the country. So I was in a flight for 15 hours to China. I had a 20-hour layover in Shanghai, Jeez. and then I had a god-awful uh, turbulence ride <laughs> to India from China for 10 hours. Oh, you're getting tested. And you're getting tested. Dude, I was tested on point. And then I land in India at like 10 o'clock at night, and I still have a six-hour car ride from this dude who fucking speaks nothing but Sanskrit, Indian language, right. has to drive me overnight Really? To my school. And I was terrified because they don't have like roads. They just drive wherever they can drive. Oh, I mean, they have wow. roads, but, but like, like there's no median or... lines. Yeah. yeah. There's no like white lines separating. Fuck, like man. in this guy, it's it's like three in the morning, two in the morning, four in the morning. I'm like, is this guy going to fall asleep? And I'm like, <laughs> okay, 
I'm awake the whole night, yeah. you know, like adrenaline going so six hour. Yeah. Six hour car ride later. So it was a, you know, 40 hour trip, six hour car ride. I get to my yoga, the place. And then India was just amazing. Well, like it was quick, so cool. Let's, uh, I want to get into that at some point, but let's go back to um, uh-huh. the time frame March, 2018 to, to November, mm-hmm. 2018 real quick. Let's go yeah. back. What happened? Like, what was that? What were those several months like? Like, I assume it didn't just flash by. Like, how did you get yourself to a mental spot where you're like, "All right, plane ride, baby, here we go." Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good thing to t- touch on, just for like other people that will kind of right. want to get through this. So, before I had left Wisconsin, I had started really figuring out deep down what foods were making me a panic attacks. Okay. So, like, if I was going to drive to California, I couldn't be eating carbohydrates and stuff like that. Right. But I was working at, a, at an elementary school, and I would have eggs and toast every single morning. Okay. Eggs and toast. Super basic, bullshit white bread. Right. I had no idea what it was doing to me, just like a lot of people don't. Sure. I would have a panic attack at the same time every single day at my job. Really? 9 a.m., 8.30, 9.30. In that time frame, I would have a panic attack. How long at was that after breakfast? Time. Two, about two hours. Two hours after crash. breakfast? Okay. Just crashing from two pieces of bread. Sure. And I never knew what it was. I'd be like, why am I feeling overly? hungry why am i weak why am i shaky why am i about to have a panic attack again same day every day podcast changed my life dude changed my whole life because i went to the doctor so many times for anxiety right multiple times i got rushed by either friends or one time when i was working in wisconsin still i had called 911 Damn. Because of my panic attack. Damn. Yeah. And it was like, it's that bad. It's really that bad. So I had built up 15 grand in debt off of just medical bills. Jeez. Because every time I went to the doctor, they, they, and I hate to just bash on them, but the, the, the only thing was a 15, a 10, 15 minute sit down. Oh, for the first probably six times I went to the doctor, they never even told me about anxiety, what anxiety was, or that I had it, but still wanted to put me on medication. Of course. Right? And not even explaining why I'm taking this medication. Of course. And then, you know, about the 10th time that I went, she's like, oh, yeah, you know, blah, 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 anxiety. I'm like, okay. She's like, well, I want you to, I want you. She's like, I want you to take this medication, come back in two months, and we'll talk. But in reality, it says, why are you not asking people their diet, their alcohol intake, their lifestyle. Are they exercising? Are they doing meditation? Are they, there's a number of things because list goes on for fuck's sakes. I had to figure that shit out on my own, not from a doctor. Right. And that's kind of bullshit to me because, you know, luckily I never went on long-term medication. I was on, um, those short-term medications, SSRIs, which you take, like when you think you're going to have a panic attack, pretty dangerous. Fuck yeah, they're, you can die from just you know. Arguably, I think they're, turkey I'm pretty legs. sure they're linked to basically every mass shooting. That's pretty much uh-huh. for the most part. I don't quote me on that, but I think there's a it, there's huge a lot correlation. of studies. Yeah, there's a huge yeah. correlation with those. Um, yep. Yeah, and you know, to kind of wrap up what you're saying about the whole medical field, it seems like it's been it's well, you can't you can't cure a healthy population, and mm-hmm. I. You know, it seems like it's always putting band-aids on problems that need stitches or surgery or amputated. Um, you know, so I, I think that's a whole conversation in itself. 
Yeah. I, yeah. uh, I want to push the conversation back to, um, yeah. to so your, your March to November Going to the doctor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Past that, you know, I wish they would have helped me in a way, but... But we're all powerful. Kind of figured it out. Jumping, yeah, jumping past that, I figured out what I needed to do to to basically fully take care of this anxiety thing and manage it. And it came to the conclusion that, like, dude, refined carbohydrates are going to fucking make you crash. And if you have anxiety and you get hungry and you're depleting of nutrients, you're going to have a panic attack and you're going to feel like shit. Right. So thank God, before I went to California, that is something that I had figured out. So I had started eating eggs and avocado and bacon in the morning rather than eggs and toast or a fucking bagel, right. you know, or something like that. And, and for lunch, the same thing. Like, you know, I'm just making steaks and burgers and, and you know, anything full of fat and nutrition and protein and something that's just going to keep right. me long lasting. For, so for anybody that is suffering from anxiety and you're finding these deep crashes, I'm, you got you you got to switch to something that's long lasting. Or at least look at you your crash, diet, right? See what... Yeah, you just got to... See what you're eating. See if yeah. it's linked to anything, you know? Yep. So um, in the months that I was in California, obviously the weather helped a lot. I mean, that was like the number one reason why I moved out here. Being able to just be in sunshine or finding perspective by just stepping out into the ocean, digging my feet in the sand and looking out into the ocean and understanding how vast it is and how small I am and then understanding how small the ocean is when makes me even smaller. Right. And just realizing that perspective wise, you know, the gratitude that I have and how lucky I am to just be in this situation. And that kind of just even turns this trigger in my mind to like get away from anxiety and being able to just breathe this fresh air and, and eating these healthy foods and stuff like that. So like leading up to, uh, to India, like I was going where I teach now, I was going to reach, you know, right. multiple days a week. And I was just finding that inspiration and, and loving the community of yoga and, and what it brought to the people that came into that room. So for, from March until November, um, dude, I was working at rum jungle cafe right oh, yeah? down the street from your Were old you? place. Like that was the first job. Yeah. That was the first job I took. Nice. I'm like, I can't be picky. Yeah. You know, I just got to get an income and take care of myself. So, you know, I would, I would go to work and for you. I would go right upstairs to shock fitness yeah. and I would sit in the sauna, which is sauna is linked to helping people with depression and helping sure. people with anxiety and, gets the blood and flowing. focusing on your breath, mm-hmm. gets the blood flowing, you know, right. heat shock proteins and all that stuff that we can get into. But then, uh, you know, working out, getting into the sun, going into the sauna, making sure that I'm eating foods that are going to make my right. energy last eggs, avocados, almonds, nuts, and seeds. And, and, you know, get in your vegetables, but, you know, get in the good carbohydrates like bananas and sweet potatoes. But if the second I would have like a couple pieces of bread or like a piece of sure. pizza at that time, fuck an hour later, two hours later, dude, I'm on my deathbed. There's like a mental you know? fog and, that's also – I've even noticed in, my, in myself if I eat like too many cookies or if I eat like pretzel rods <laughs> or something. Like there's like this mental fog that kind of just like kind of comes over you almost. And just, yeah. I can only imagine that it invokes that sense of anxiety too, because it's like, yeah. Now I don't, by any stretch of the imagination, want to link uh, being hung over to that mental fog. But there is a, there is a weird similarity in the fog that is produced from being hung over and eating too many like cookies or eating too many pieces of bread or eating, you, you know what I mean, like too much of the processed refined sugar. It, at least sure. personally, I've kind of felt that fog. It seems similar. 
Yeah, it's so true because like my anxiety and like my my come down from like sugar and carbohydrates were very identical. Yeah. I mean, yeah. very, very identical. Getting weak, getting the chills, but all of a sweating, legs not working, like, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's the same, but different. I think sure. alcohol plays a way bigger effect, um, you know, because you can be over liver. a sugar crash in a, in a couple hours. Like you right. can chug water, you can have electrolytes, you can have a nice healthy meal and you're kind of just right back up because that is more of just your, um, that, that sugar crash can be reversed pretty quickly by like a steak and avocado and some right, eggs or something. Right. Because you're going you're gonna to send that, that sugar Your body's right processing it a little bit cleaner. You have better stuff. Ex- but whenever we're talking about poison exactly. getting into the liver, it becomes a little bit more. I think it sits processed. a little longer, sits a little deeper. So it's, 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 the, it's different, but it's the same. But yeah, that alcohol, that alcohol withdrawal, that alcohol hangover definitely sits a lot deeper and a lot longer. And right. it's harder to reverse um, because your body's dehydrated. Right. I mean, when your body's that severely dehydrated, it's hard to. And you have a lot of body to too. Get it you got to tomorrow. get the water all over the place. It's not just exactly. you know, one spot that is processing it all. Um. So yeah, the, yeah. So. so let's keep moving. Uh, mm-hmm. Here's where I'm at with my understanding. Maybe I missed something. Uh, March between March and November, uh, mm-hmm. you were going to reach where you you were. Fi- it sounds like you were fixing your diet a little bit. You were working at Rum Jungle. Um, so were you still kind of fine tuning your diet? Were you finding things that were fine tuning it? And it sounds like you were exercise, maybe not more, but you were finding other ways to exercise, whether it was the sauna medit- or like uh, sauna or yoga. Um, do I kind of mm-hmm. have all that right? And what am I missing? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to yoga maybe like one or two days a week at this point um, with no intentions to be a teacher. Like okay. when I moved out to San Diego, I had no intentions to be a teacher. It did not even f- cross my mind. It was just yoga was a part of my life still trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I was actually in school for respiratory therapy, realized oh, okay. I'm not the one who wants to clock in, clock out, clock in, uh-huh. clock out every day on a schedule. It's just, so, you know, I, I let that shit go. But uh, yeah, like being in San Diego, I was really just working on my body health. That was my main focus. So working out, sauna, yoga, running, going to the beach, starting to play volleyball with you guys was a huge fucking thing for me, especially for like my cardio. Sure. And then, yeah, every day, Every week, one of my biggest focus was what I put into my body, um, and, and and I just I, th- I think diet is is so unbelievably underestimated. It's right. so a lot of people can eat some garbage food now, but dude, in a few years, when you're fifty, when you're sixty, right. all that inflammation is going to catch back up to you. And right. I'm so guilty of it. I still eat brownies. I still eat cookies. I still eat ice cream. Well, but it's a moderation. There's balance. There's balance. I, yeah. I, I think there's and a I, level you can't be too tyrannical with yourself about it. Exactly. But if you start to feel those downfalls, like if I start to feel like my knees are starting to ache right. or my hip is starting to hurt or my sciatic right. is a little bit bad, I need to cut back. Right. And I need to have a week where I'm just eating good food, well, you know, so and what's listening huge, to your body. Right. And what's huge, and I talked about this in my last episode with TR, which I haven't aired yet. Um, today's September 7th. It'll be next week. But nice. what I haven't aired yet, or what we kind of talked about is that, that feeling your body thing. We talked about how we've become so out of tune with feeling what's going on inside our body and looking to the outside world for answers where, you know, it's just what you're saying. And I'm, and I'm kind of trying to say it too, where it's, you, it's okay to have a brownie. It's okay to have cheesecake. It's okay to have these things. Like if you want them, mm-hmm. go for it. But 
you, you got to listen to your body. Are you full? Are you actually thirsty? Like, is it an emotional reason that you're grabbing for that food, that brownie, that cookie? You know, is it, you know, it, it's okay to have a little bit, but is your, is it your 10th one and your body is just fatigued and you can feel the inflammation flowing? You feel this fog coming in? Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it comes back to the balance and listening to yourself. And I'm guilty of it as everybody where I used to do these like, uh, you know, diets where I would like, just be like, all right, I'm only eating these foods. I'm only, I did the carnivore diet for a while. I'm only eating meat, you know? I mean, there's a lot of benefit from it, but it's because you're cutting all that bullshit out that you're like, well, oh, the carnivore diet's the end all be all because, you know, I feel great. It's like, well, you feel great because you haven't eaten refined sugars in six months. Like that's the answer there. You know, so um, to kind of link to what you're saying, I feel like it comes back to, listening to your body, being balanced, being understanding of why you need what you need, how you're feeling because of what you ate, you know, and you just, we're almost not even present enough with our food. And I'm projecting here, at least in what I've seen is we're not present enough with our food when we're eating it to first be even conscious of like, what did we eat? Like if you're listening right now, think about the last five meals you ate, like what were they? You know, I, I I would venture to guess the majority of people wouldn't know the answer to that question because it's just like it's such a habitual task at this point or you just munch and you're not paying attention to the way it feels the way the texture hits your tongue the way each bite is individual like you know and so then that has just a replicating effect all the way down your body of well if i ate you know a a steak and then i had 20 cookies after it's like are you going to blame the cookies or are you going to blame the steak? You know? And so it, you know what I mean? It becomes like that like yeah. trial and error process and we're all different. So, you know, by all means, some people are going to react different than others. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, like, uh, it, and it's about how deep you have to listen to your body too. Cause like, if you ever listen to like Jordan Peterson, um, yeah. like his story or like yeah, his daughter's yeah. story, like she has like a piece of cauliflower and her whole autoimmune disease comes back. Right. You know? So Unfortunately, there are people that can only eat carnivore unless they want to suffer from some type of like severe autoimmune disease. Um, In most cases, that's not the case. But yeah, just again, I mean, the point is to listen to your body. We're all different. What works for you might not work for somebody else. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, um, that's that's definitely my diet is definitely the biggest uh, quitting alcohol in my diet. It's the two biggest things, number one, number two, that helped me get to the place to where I am at at now. Like it helped me get to India. Like I fucking went to India after having seven years of the worst possible anxiety case that I can think of that doesn't go to like me never leaving my house, like panic attacks daily for, for years. So, right. You know, just like we were talking about before, like where you get to where you want to be, like you didn't just up and go to Brazil. Like you took you months to figure out your job and if you should do this and if you should not and the what ifs and the doubts and now you're here, you're in the East coast and then you're going to Brazil. It's like, it's the same thing with any fear or any anxiety driven stuff or any type of depression or any really, honestly, any type of chronic illness. Like you have to figure out, yeah. And do your research on what is triggering this chronic illness. Right. And for most people, it's their diet, their lifestyle, their lack of exercise, their lack of hydration, right. and the people that they surround themselves with. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, 
all those things I micromanaged a little bit at a time over years. I mean, years to be able to get on all built. A, a 50 hour venture to, to, to India to spend 30 days in India right. and then take that 50 hour venture back home. And then to get into the yoga room and start teaching. I used to fucking have panic attacks right. while taking it. I wasn't even, right. I could have left the room. Doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Right. But I enjoy, I love putting myself in a position where like now I'm the only person that can't leave the room. Right. I can't. Yeah. I'm, I'm in there. Yeah. Pa- panic attack or no panic you attack. You have to be there. I'm guiding that class. I'm leading that class. I'm not leaving. All right. I'm in there. You got to be solid dude. too. You can't start panicking. Everyone else is going to be like, are we supposed to be <laughs> no, panicking now? Yeah, is this panic yoga? This? <laughs> like, why is he in child pose in the middle of class? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, so well, it's just, I, I, it's been such a, like uh, a good transition in like, just like going back to going through bullshit. Like I am so, I, I think my anxiety tons of times Yeah. because Without it, like I would probably still be doing nothing with my life. Wouldn't be who you are today. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't be this genuine, loving. Like I want to meet people and 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 create a good space for everyone and humanity to come together and just. It feels great. You know what I mean? Like it it feels so good. Right. Yeah, it feels so right, and I just I'm so thankful for it all. Like I'm so thankful for all that awesome. bullshit, the hospital, the ambulance rides to the hospital, the debt, the anxiety, the panic attacks, the depression. Like I would never want anybody to feel that, but if you do, there you can get to where I am. You just you have to find the steps. You have to take the micromanaged steps of each little individual thing that's holding you back. It's just right. so necessary, and it's capable. Like you are capable. It's like 100%. setting the intention and then conquering each little step in between, so that you can yeah. get to that point where it's like, all right, I'm ready to go on a flight to, um, you know, conquer my fear for 50 hour, a 50 hour travel, which is insane. So take me into that mindset, right? We're somewhere in what's before November, October. We're somewhere in October. And when did you decide that you wanted to be a teacher? When were you like, all right, I'm going to, I'm doing it. I'm going to India and becoming a yoga teacher. I think it all, I think it stemmed, stemmed to that. That would be one of the most difficult things to put myself through. Like it would be like, how can I push myself even farther? Like how can I put myself in a more comfortable situation? Like I already love yoga. I love what it does for me. And I love what it does for the person next to me and the person over here. And I love seeing what these teachers are doing for these students just by their good presence, just by them guiding a good class, just by putting them through the breath work. And I want to, I wanted to bring that energy to people because I knew what it, I knew I had what it took to overcome a lot of bullshit. And a lot of yoga teachers, like my friend Tristan, he has a, a podcast called, called How the Fuck Are You a Yoga Teacher? Because most people go through so much bullshit. And it's like, how are you this person? I think I know Tristan. Like, I think we've, we've said, hey, what's up? Yeah, you, yeah you've definitely he trains met jiu-jitsu, before, right? But, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. He, went to, he yeah. was at Yoga 6 as well, taught at Yoga 6. So yeah. He has a, that, that, that podcast. And oh, cool. I was his first guest because of, of my story. And it's, well, I mean, yeah, it's a you know, a, a lot of yoga teachers go through shit. So leading up to India... It was a pretty quick transition. It wasn't like April, I'm kind of thinking about it. May, I'm I'm a little bit more towards it. It was like October, I was there in November. Right. Like it was a, oh shit, 
I know what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. I'm supposed to be teaching yoga. Yeah, it just like, hit you. That's why I went through all that shit in the past. It's why I'm still doing yoga and, and feeling what I'm feeling when I'm in class. And it's like awesome because also it's going to make me super uncomfortable right. to be teaching yoga. Right. And if I can get over that type of fear, dude, if I could, you know, I was like, if I could teach a class of 40 people and not have a panic attack, I can fucking do anything with my life. You can make it I can happen. do anything. You can make it happen. I can go anywhere. Exactly. That's so, crazy. That's so crazy because I'm drawing on the parallel in my mind. Um, when I came to my epiphany, uh, <clears throat> it was after a, uh, um, let's say, a, a shroom experience. And I came to this epiphany of, okay, I need to do what, I, what I'm afraid of in life. And I think we've talked about this where, you know, that was whenever I decided to quit my job. And, you know, I was just, I was ecstatic right when I realized that. It was like, you know, do what you fear most almost. The, the idea is to do what you fear most. And I remember after I came to that, I just felt so in bliss. I was like, I'm just going to walk and see where my feet take me kind of thing. And so mm -hmm. I started walking and I was walking down the uh, boardwalk in Pacific Beach. I was walking north and I just passed Garnett and there's just like that plot of grass right there that's sitting that overlooks the ocean. Absolutely beautiful. I was just standing there. And I thought to myself, you know, I kept asking myself, like, what do you fear most? What would be the most fearful thing you could do? And I came up with sitting down and meditating would have been scary as shit to me. Like, the <laughs> fact that I'm sitting in this plot of grass, there's people walking by on both sides of me, and I'm just sitting there meditating. Like, you know, I was like, I remember I hesitated for a bit. I started to walk back home, and I was like, uh, <laughs> no, dude. I was like, nope, nope. Like, you just learned. Do what you fear most. I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll sit. I sat down and then started meditating, and it was so just peaceful, man. It was, you know, you hear people walking by, but it's like nothing. Nobody really cares. Um, and that actually, when I was sitting there, was what inspired me to start the whole public meditation thing. I was like, holy mm -hmm. shit, if I'm afraid of this... Who the, else, who the hell else is afraid of this too? And so then that led me to, you know, hosting some public meditation things. I, obviously, I don't do them anymore being in Pittsburgh and everything. Um, maybe that's a bad excuse, but <laughs> regardless. Yeah, why not? Yeah, There's right. plenty of space. Yeah. There's plenty of busy areas. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know a couple off the top of my head. I should I'd look into that. Um, yeah, but case in point is it's like, you know, the, the idea of just doing what you feel most, it's like you find this like sense of empowerment on the other side of it, that it's like the whole world, it's like you're constructed to believe these certain things. Like you have to have a job. You have to be doing this. You have to be doing that. You can't do that. You cannot, who the hell is going to sit in grass and like, what a weirdo, you know? And it's like, it's so, it's just so what a weirdo. Yeah. yeah dude, it was crazy. hundred percent, dude. Well, there was a kid, there was a kid, I forget his name off the top of my head. He follows me on Instagram or something. And he, um, he, so I was doing one of these public meditations. I was by myself and I shit you not, everything would happen when I would do these, I would do them for an hour. But when I hit the 45 minute mark, I would like open my eyes and I'd kind of be like, oh, I should leave. I should leave. But then something would tell me to stay for the rest of the hour. And the most enlightening things would happen in those last 15 minutes or like the greatest, like people would stop by. There was one kid who was, well, let's not go down that rabbit hole. The story I wanted to get to is, um, I was sitting there. It was probably at the 45 minute mark. I was like, push through it, push through it. I'm sitting there. And a kid comes and sits down. And when someone sits beside you, you can like kind of feel it. And so I kind of look over. I'm like, oh, welcome, dude. And he's just like, huh, like kind of gave me a scoff. I was like, all right, whatever. And so I'm chilling there the rest of the, like the 15, 10, 15 minutes. My like alarm goes off and I kind of like open my eyes and kind of just sit up straight, relax. And the kid is still sitting there. And he like, you know, I'm like, 
you know, he's opened his eyes. He's like looking at me. I'm like, what's up, man? Like, I'm Clayton. Like, what's up? Blah, blah, blah. And in talking with him, he's like, you know, dude, like when I first passed by, I was like riding my bike and I thought to myself, I wish I had a giant boom box just so I could like blast it right in this kid's face, like meditating there. <laughs> and he was like, and he was like, well, on my way back, I like saw you sitting here. And so I was like, oh, I think I, I thought I would just join you and see what to do. I was just like, I was like, that's the funniest fucking thing in the world. Like, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, dude, like, I mean, I was like, I mean, you could have, I was just like, you could have, and I really wouldn't have cared. Like that's happened to me before. And, uh, there's another story in there with that, but it, it's just, it was like, I feel like I kind of snapped him out of like that, like thought process almost where it made him question, like, why, why do I, why driving by would it give me enjoyment to, you know, kind of cause, let's say confusion or disruption in this person's life? Like, why do I need to do that? Like, you know what I mean? And it, and I think it snapped him out of it to the point where he like questioned it. And then on his way back, he was like, you know what? Maybe I should sit here. And so, um, you know, I, I think that helped that kid in some way, shape or form to like get to know himself better. Did he like sit down and meditate with you or was yeah. he just kind of sitting off to the side? He he sat down like on the map beside me for like 10, 15 minutes after <laughs> nice. or like during that like, phase. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And so Just I started a talking small to moment. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Meditation is a great thing. And it's, uh, it's, it's really hard for people. Oh, um, for sure. Mainly because people think you're supposed to find stillness in your mind when, no, when you, it's not going to happen. No. Like the, the, the point of meditation for anybody listening and you want to meditate, your, your, the whole point is to let your mind Go wherever it wants to go because it's going to happen, pulling it back. Focus on the breath or whatever your intention is. Right. Your mind's going to leave again, whether it's a second later or three minutes later. All right. Okay, self-awareness. My mind just left. Pull it back in. Right. Let it go. Pull it back. It's just that's the process and that's what people have the hardest thing with is just like, oh, I can't keep my mind still. And yeah, yeah. neither can I. Yeah. yeah. I you know what I mean? You're supposed to. I don't think you're completely yeah. supposed to exactly you know it's, it's, it's bringing just, back the intention and I, and this is why i drew the compare why i drew the parallel to your story at the beginning of this was whenever you were talking about how you would go into your car and correct me if i'm wrong but what it sounds like is you would go into your car you would look at that door you'd say i i want to walk through that door and then your mind would be like you're a loser you can't do it blah 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 and then you'd be like no 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 i want to walk through that door and then it's like mm -hmm. oh well but you can't you'll get an anxiety attack this will happen that will happen it's like no I am going to walk through that door. And then you just keep having these negative thoughts come in. And I think, it, because I remember when I started meditating, um, I think that's just a natural process of how you start meditating, where you have all these bullshit and fake thoughts that you realize you need to separate yourself from and realize those are just ingrained emotional patterns. It's like your thoughts feed your emotions, your emotions feed your thoughts, and there's like this negative... Well, on average, there's a negative feedback loop between those two. And so by right. by being able to take that step back, you are able then to realize that these negative thoughts aren't that big of a deal and that you're able to move through with it. Yeah, there was uh, – I'm trying to look it up right now. There was a – you follow David Goggins. Um, so his one of his most favorite quotes that I love is – your mind has the ultimate tactical advantage over you. 
It knows your insecurities. It knows your fears. It knows your self-doubts. It knows all those creepy spots that we want to steer clear of. And that is seriously one of the best quotes that I think I've ever heard in my life. And I love it so much because it's so unbelievably true. And people are so afraid of that part of their brain. You know what I mean? Like people are so afraid to like, talk about their insecurities or their fears or to face them or to just sit and meditate and think about them because they don't want to feel that low or they don't want to feel that self-doubt or they, they want to think that everything in this moment is okay when it's okay to not be okay. It's hundred percent. Okay. To not be okay. And then to take the steps to, to be okay or to, to get closer to being okay. And then if you, if you wish and you desire to go past that and then to keep going past that and keep climbing that ladder of more okay, like that 10 out of 10 Camry right. and then a 10 out of 10 Range Rover or whatever it is in your right. life that you're doing right now, like just be fear a little driven. bit better. Yeah. Just be yeah, a, li- feel yeah. a little so bit better than yesterday. Your mind is it. Everybody else's mind clays, everybody that we know, they have fears, they have doubts, they have insecurities and your mind knows where those lie. And it's going to do that to you, especially when you meditate. And that's right. the best time to try to find, okay, this is popping up, these insecurities, these doubts, these these low thoughts in my mind. What are the steps to to, to get rid of those thoughts or or to, to ease those thoughts? Or right. what am I supposed to do to, to get past to get past those insecurities or right. those fears? And for you, quitting your job and creating a life where you want to do podcasting and you want to do train jujitsu in Brazil and whatever else you want to do with that. And for me it's fucking teaching a yoga class after having panic attacks for multiple years you know what i mean and then right. it's for me it's okay what's beyond that what, what's right. going to be beyond that let's let's find some more discomfort so that i can look back at all this it's like damn dude like teaching was nothing right. now i'm doing this right. you know what i mean like so yeah that quote just hits home with me because I, I love it so much well, it's just so, so true good. i mean it's so good because you know yourself better than anybody and it kind of starts it's it relates back to my you know episode zero 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 when i was like you know there's these different versions of you exist there's a way you view yourself there's a way you view me there's a way my mom views me my dad and it all comes back to like well your mind you know was there for all of it you are the only one who was there for every single moment of every single instant that happened. So whether you consciously know it or not, you're very aware of what makes you feel a certain way, whether you acknowledge it consciously or subconsciously, you know, Yep. and, and I think meditating helps you real makes it conscious It makes those feelings kind of conscious of what makes you feel a certain way and why you feel a certain way because of what happens. And, you know, it's, it's like, you know, I've heard it related to like fasting for your brain, but it's like, it's honestly like meditating is almost like a workout for your brain where you're able to maybe not a workout for your brain, but you're able to really understand like, you know, why am I feeling this way? Find it in your body. Cause your body carries this stuff too. And you know, emotions are essentially energy in motion. And when you feel like tight and congested or just, in a, in a, like holding on to something. I mean, your body is, is literally holding on to something that it doesn't need to hold on to. But it, it, the way I've always described it to people is it's like, there's something there for you to need that you need to learn, but because you're not looking at it or you're not shining light into that dark place, your body's just going to keep tightening its grip. The universe is going to keep 
pushing you towards that thing. It's going to keep showing these things in your life until you're like, oh, well, I got to confront that thing that happened whenever I was five years old that I keep just avoiding. And it's like, well, the universe didn't forget. Your mind didn't forget. Your neural pathways mm -hmm. that you've created doesn't forget. And so you need to, that's why I think meditating is so beautiful. And honestly, there's times where I've, you know, smoked a little bit of weed and meditated or even some shrooms. And it's like, dude, it's so profound. Like just how, like you would think it would make it more difficult. And maybe it does to an extent, but it's just so much more real and vivid. And it puts you even closer in the driver's seat. Like if you were in the passenger seat before, you're in the driver's seat, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think meditation helps you dive deeper than just like sitting with thought while you're doing your dishes or something like right. that. You know what I mean? Right. But uh, yeah, going back to like weed and, and, and mushrooms, like psilocybin, you and I have talked about that recently. Like your deep, your deep dives that you've gone through, you know, with a, a mutual friend of ours that I'm going <laughs> to... Let's you know, uh, let's fears, keep let's try to keep uh, animosity the best we can with that. Yeah, uh, for their, but, that person's but, sake. Yeah, yeah, mutual friend, mutual friend. Um, but uh, big fear of mine is 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 diving diving real deep into mushrooms. Sure. Um, but for you, it's just like your experiences to dive a little bit deeper with psilocybin and and for weed, you know, marijuana. It's a funny drug because. I, I understand why it gets such a bad rap because it does make people paranoid. But I think a lot of that paranoia is a lot of right. these thoughts that are coming up like, oh, fuck, why did I say that to my right. best friend the other day? Or why did I why did I do that? Or why did I flip that person off in traffic this morning? Right. And now you're thinking about it more. And it's it's a good it's a good medicine to have, uh, you know, self-criticism. Um, self-reflection constructive con yeah self-reflection constructive feedback for yourself um you know it, it kind of digs up a lot of bullshit that you really don't want to think about like when right. i get stoned and there's a lot of shit going on in my life right man that shit is amplified and yeah. sometimes i don't like it sometimes yeah. i'm like oh you know it's like it's actually kind of funny i was uh i was sitting in my apartment last night the day was done i smoked a little J, and it's it's funny because I was thinking about this podcast and I'm like, am I worthy? And do I even know it? Fucking uh, imposter syndrome. Like, why yeah. am I going on this podcast and trying to tell people how to live a better life you know, or how to overcome anxiety? It's like, you're a fraud. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, you loser. What are you doing? And then, like, I kind of come down from my peak oh. high and I'm like, I'm fucking awesome. What are you talking about? You Who was I mean? that? Like, Who was that? Yeah. Like, it kind of it's good and a bad depending on just your mindset and, you, and it, it weeds not for everybody. I'm all for it. I fucking love marijuana. My best, you know, some of my best friends love marijuana and they're funny as hell. We have a great time. Right. Some people it's just not for, it's Ooh. just, and it might level, not be for them people. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's a, that's a very important thing to point out. You know, it's just like food. Some things just aren't for everybody. Like, yeah. I, I mean, you know, we all have different life experiences and, you know, they kind of push you in a certain way to figure stuff out. And, you know, to your point with like weed, like I do remember I always had those, like, you know, you'd say something and then your mind would just be stuck on it. You say something, nobody laughs and you're like, oh shit, I'm not funny. Why doesn't anyone think I'm funny? It's like, I thought that was fucking hilarious. Like now exactly. it's weird. Now I got to leave. Like I got to get out of here. You know, and it's like, uh -huh. it, but I, I think a lot of it is linked to that internal, like, 
you know, that was a point of time where I didn't meditate as much. I didn't have this self-awareness that I do now, but now I'm okay to burn a little bit and like, I actually like, you know, have fun and be cool and not overthink shit. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a level of environment plays a big role too. Like where you're doing it, yeah. you know? And so I think a hundred percent, all of that yeah. kind of plays yeah. into it. Like going back to like, uh, the whole drinking thing and me being a little bit different, like, it is hard. It's hard for me to just be like super stoned around a bunch of people that are, you know, drinking and all that stuff because it's right. uh, it's two different energies. So like if you're going to smoke weed, like go to the beach or set up your living room, light some candles, light right. some incense. Don't forget about them when you get too high, but <laughs> you know, turn on turn on some tunes, do whatever you got to do. But yeah, it's not for everybody. And 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 same with psilocybin, like sure. You know, I've been dabbling with it um I've been dabbling with it lately, just microdosing and it has really changed a lot of things in my life. I had went back home to Wisconsin a couple months ago and I don't know what it is about going back home. It's maybe, maybe it's like seeing my old town and the shit that I went through there, you know, family is always hard to deal with sometimes, you know, and stuff like that, especially my upbringing, like fucked up childhood, you know, and touche to my mom for raising all of her four kids on her own. A lot of times really fucked up, but I love her for what she did for us and everything right. that she could do. But when I came back, I was I was battling depression so bad. Right. You know, I went home for a week. I went to a wedding. I saw all my best friends and I came back to San Diego and I just felt awful. Like when you no came back or whenever you went to when I came back. OK, you, you know, I, I kind of started it. feeling it. Yeah, I kind of started feeling it while I was there. I always do. It's always a little bit of down. I try not to go home for too long. Right. But, you know, I, I came back to San Diego and it like hit full force. Like I didn't even want to like teach yoga that week, you know, really? for like a couple weeks. And yeah, I was just like, I don't know what's going on. Like I feel so depressed. And, you know, it's, long story short, like I started microdosing. Yeah. And I took like a point two, point two gram like the first microdose and honestly like i woke up the next day and i'm not going to say like oh i was 100 percent cured but i was like okay like let, let's figure this out yeah you know like it 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 opens up those pathways and you know all that stuff for you to really like meditation or whatever just diving deep to figuring out what is going on or what needs to be fixed or like and honestly dude Within that one microdose, I quit smoking weed like 90%. Really? Like 90% of my weed smoking like completely went down. You're just... And it's because when I get too high, I have a lot of self-doubt. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, and I can get lazy and I can, I can get too relaxed and it gives me the, it gives me the, uh, the okay to just sit on my couch and be a turd. Yeah, You sure. know what I mean? Like not all, not all weed smokers are like that, oh, but sure. I am. For sure. You know, that's just me and my body, but it, I didn't even ask for that. I didn't, I didn't even say, okay, I want to quit smoking weed or I want to quit doing this or I want to do this. I just took the microdose. I had a good day, had the good night, you know, like no visuals, no nothing, just a small dose. I right. wake up the next morning. I didn't even light a joint in the morning and the day before I would have, Right. you know what I mean? So right. it's There's just like, it's like this weird little, it's so bizarre because it's like, you know, it's like, what is this fungus? It's like, what the fuck? Like this fungus ends up like unlocking like new ways for it does something uh scientifically speaking with like your neural pathways and i don't really know that well so i'm not going to talk too much about it but it has to do it does something with your neural pathways where it just exposes you to a different way of thinking and being and just you know it 
when taken in large enough quantities and in the right environment, it can really expose you to who you are at a fundamental core. And, you know, I, you know, I, I've had some profound experiences that have really shaped me to who I am where I'm like, Oh, like that explains why all of these things, you know, and you talk about the ripple with your fear associated with, um, with yoga and I've, I've seen that not with yoga per se, but I've seen that ripple effect in certain areas of my life. And it's like when I was a kid that there was like a metaphorically speaking, if I was a kid in a pond, there was like a huge rock representing like trauma that was dropped into me and just into this pond that created these huge waves. And you know, it's like not until you can realize that rock and make peace with that rock being dropped into your ocean that you're able to actually start mellowing out the waves and kind of calming them down in your present day reality. Um, mm -hmm. Because with me, I mean, it was it was tragic. I'd get terrible. I talked about this in my last episode a little bit, where it's just like get terrible anxiety. You know, if you know, I would get it if there was a girl who was coming into my life that was um, if there was a girl who was coming into my life that was like checking boxes, but you know, I, like of who I wanted to be with. And you know, luckily I got to a spot where found a girl that checked every box and I don't have any anxiety whatsoever. I mean, well, let's be calm, calm there. I now still need to notice when it's starting to come up because then I just like, confront it. It's like, Oh, there it is again. Like, let's just relax. But it makes it so much easier once you figure out what that huge rock was that dropped into your ocean. Um, yeah. and you're able to kind of confront that head on, which, you know, to bring it back full circle is I figured out what that rock was. And there's multiple rocks throughout everybody's life. I've, probably had four or five personally that I've just uncovered. Um, but once you, once you kind of get to the root of that rock and confront it and make peace with it, you're able to like kind of smooth out the waves of the ocean. Yeah. What's like the biggest, I know we talked a lot about like unworthiness, like yeah. mushrooms and, and kind of like figuring out unworthiness. Is that like your biggest takeaway recent from like those trips that you've had those um, experiences? Uh, no, no and yes. Um, the, the experiences I had with psilocybin at a macro level in a controlled environment with somebody who was trained to administer it and help someone at a psychological level, it at a fundamental level taught me how to confront the demons of my past, how to integrate them into who I am today. Unworthiness specifically, um, I trace that from that. I never did psilocybin to confront that, but I learned how to confront them from psilocybin. Then, uh, speaking specifically on unworthiness, I used those tactics to go into my past, and there were situations where I was left out of things um, from a young age. Sports, I was a huge sports related, uh, where I was left out of things, where um, comments were made about my athletic ability from adults who were, you know, things, there was political inner working political, political games that adults were playing with little league baseball players. Um, and I, I'm more than open to go into all them in detail, but the one in particular that really remind, I always think about, um, it would have been junior year of high school. I was, uh, batting fourth in baseball. And so whoever doesn't know baseball, uh, all you really need to know is whoever's batting fourth is the best hitter on the team. Uh, and at the time, first of all, I never had a conscious awareness that I was the best um, hitter on the team. It was just, oh, somebody needs to be there, so they're just putting me there. There was never like a, no, dude, you're the best player, that's why you're there. Um, 
And so junior year, or maybe it was senior year, regardless, um, what happened was is I was batting uh, 800, which is I hit 8 out of 10 balls. Uh, so 80% of the time I would get a hit. Which is really good because most people will even want to bat 300 just for uh, yeah. terms of baseball for people who don't know. Like 300 is fucking dope. 400 is amazing. 800, yeah. Yeah, 300, I think you if you bat 300 for your entire professional MLB career, you go to the Hall of Fame. Like yeah. you're a first ticket Hall of Fame ballot. 100%. 100%. So halfway through the year, I'm hitting 800 or 80%. And our coach... Um, we might've lost a game or we were dicking around or something. And our coach lines us up against the wall and he's ready to yell at us. The game before I hit, I hit a curveball into right field. I make a good hit. Um, there's a certain pitch you hit a certain way, uh, for who knows baseball, I hit a curveball opposite field and which is what you're supposed to do. So our coach, let's get back to it. He was pissed. Uh, we were all dicking around or something and he lines us up against the wall, which (laughs) I didn't realize until I went into this that that's a form of psychological torture in and of itself because you can't see how what he's saying relates to everybody. I'm sitting here and I can only see out of my peripheral vision the two people to my left and right, which I don't even Mm -hmm. get to see how they're reacting. So it really makes everyone focus on him. And he's going down the line, pissed at everybody. But then he comes to me and he's like, you know, Clayton's always working his ass off. He's always doing the right thing in the gym, yada, yada, yada. Even the other day, he hit a ball to opposite field. Like, why can't anyone else do that? And the way that resonates with me is, is holy shit, if I do well, then everybody else is going to get punished for it. And so, you know, it's one of those things that just keeps, and there was other things as I was a younger kid. And so this was just another symptom of that manifestation. And I noticed it in my jujitsu career where I would get into these very advantageous positions. I would be just about to win the fight, just about to choke them out. You know, I would have be up on points and then my mind would just go blank. And I, I had no clue why it would go blank. They would do some sort of reversal or they would choke me out or they would end up winning the fight. And in my mind, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I'm not doing this on purpose, but my mind would just stop. It would just like completely remove itself from wherever I was and just separate. And so through meditation, through the experiences that I had, trying to figure out why, putting myself in that situation, feeling into my body where and why this was happening, it uncovered this great knowledge that was like, oh, shit. I had a lot of unworthiness as a kid. Well, (laughs) why do I feel unworthy? I talked to my parents Mm -hmm. about this and had like 15 to 20 different uh, situations from my childhood with being related to baseball or football or hanging out with friends or soccer where I got excluded from things. And as a kid, I'm just like, all right, whatever it happens. But it's not like, all right, whatever it happens, you don't, you logically might think that, but your body, your entity, whatever the fuck we are in this world doesn't see it that way it grasps everything that it is and it'll keep pushing you at it until you learn your lesson um so the light on the other tunnel figured it out meditated on it did the healing things that i know how to do and the last jujitsu tournament i had i i didn't win i actually got third place whereas i had always gotten second or first i got third place and uh i gave 110 percent every single instant told myself i was worthy and 
you know, I, I learned other things about why I, you know, failed in that instance, but man, it was, you know, just so emotional. Just there's an Instagram post I have where, you know, I, it's still on my feed, but I talk about it in slight detail about how I, you know, was like crying in the car on the way there and how, you know, it, it was a hell of a journey just in and of itself. But, you know, it's, um, it, 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 to make it full circle, it's confronting those things we don't want to confront. Um, but man, on the other side of it, you just, the world opens up to you, whether it's unworthiness or whether it's anxiety, whether it's, you know, all these little things that kind of just like add up to who you are in this present moment. Yeah. What a medicine. I mean, it's just, when I think about like mushrooms and it's, it's possibilities and like what it can create in like your mind and like, it's, it's almost like makes me speechless. Like this fungus that has been yeah. here for millions of years, literally just unlocked this chamber in your brain that was holding back right. so many things for you. And it's in it. It's just, right. it makes me so sad. The downfall or the, like the, the, the way people view it and look at it in society is like, Oh, you do mushrooms like fucking deadbeat or like you, you burn out or you're druggy or whatever. And it's like, if you stop and take a look, like we are a fungus and it is a fungus and it has right. been here for millions of years longer than us. And we'll be here for millions and millions and millions of years longer than we will be here. And oh, it will continue sure. to do the job that it's supposed to do for the next species and the next species or the next human race. And it's just such a fascinating, you know, fascinating thing. So right. anybody that's that, that wants to get into mushrooms, like start with a micro dose, start with like 0.1, like, you know what I mean? Like there's a fear. Be, a be fear conscious of, of your, if, uh, be careful advising that. I mean, but you know, to each their own, I, I think mm -hmm. it, it needs to be handled with great caution. hundred percent. Um, definitely your environment and who you're with play a huge role in it. So, you know, again, do your research, research a yeah, lot. hundred percent. But something that's crazy to me is when you talk about something like fungal intelligence, um, a fungal intelligence, like you're like, how can you learn something from fungus? Well, <laughs> I love citing the study or well, not even a study, but what they did was is in Japan, they were going to rework the whole like, um, subway system because it was inefficient as shit. So they had the absolute ingenious idea of they put, um, some sort of food. I'm not sure what back like fungus eats, but it eats some sort of food and they placed it they took a map of uh, Japan and placed the size of food relative to the size of cities where the cities were in relation to each other. So, you know, you had to Tokyo, which had like the biggest piece of food. And then it would like, you know, all the pieces of food would be based on the population of certain areas outside of it. Well, then they said, okay, they released this fungus onto the map of Japan. And after like 12 hours, the fungus orientated itself in the most efficient manner to connect all of the pieces of food. And now Japan's rail uh, subway system is the most efficient in the world. They never have an issue with it. And it's mapped after fungus. What? Yeah. Look it up. Yeah. Like, it's the most crazy thing in the entire world. And it's like, they figured out their entire thing. You, we could debate that for, we could debate what's the most efficient railway system for Japan for a month, two months, a year. But yeah. this thing figured it out in 12 hours, you know? Oh, that's so wild. It's yeah. so crazy. Man, what a thing. Have you seen the Fantastic Fungi on Netflix? Love it. Yeah, I love it. It's so good. Love it. Yeah. It's so, you, yeah, I took a, yeah. 
I took a microdose and watched that uh, <laughs> with a buddy. So it, was, uh, it was like, yeah, we took like a point three and watched that. I had actually already seen it, but it had been a couple of years from when right. it first came out. But yeah, I think, uh, I think uh, another, another next journey in my life is I'm uh, signing up for a mycology program to uh, oh, yeah, you were learn about, about that. Yeah, and I'm super excited. Um, so it's a seven-week program to start their first one. And it's just, you learn about, I think they said 70 of the most popular mushrooms on earth and you learn how to like hunt and, and, and gather and, and, and figure out what species is which. And they have you actually go out into like your nature, into your community. Like, so I would probably go up to like Big Bear or okay. Big Sur, something like that, just to kind of vacation and, and, and look elsewhere. But uh, yeah, man, I'm just, it's a super fascinating part of my life. And that's like another journey cool. and next step that I, I think I'm going to take because it's a like it's a it's a medicine that I believe in, and I've done my research, and I've done my experimentation with it, and I, I've right. talked to you, and I've talked to others, and other mutual friends that we know talk about it, and and just the things that it's done for them, and some some friends that I have that have suffered from severe anxiety and depression that felt completely uplifted off of like the tiniest dose, like just the next day, kind of like right. in my situation, but. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do a little like seven week mycology program. And then after that one, I'm going to enter their 15 week mycology program. And I'm going to reach out to like Angel Farms and stuff like that. And uh, yeah. pick They've their brains. Great line, like, man. The shout out man, their PB. And they're in the farmer's market in San Diego. out to Angel Farms. Angel Farms. PB. Yeah, yeah. dude. They're, they're, I got the tincture. So yeah. it's a lion's mane, yeah, yeah, cordyceps, yeah. and reishi mushrooms. Yep. Um, just So it's. I'm pretty sure they. Uh, what would you? What was? What would be the word called? Uh, that they like soak it in like uh, bourbon and water. Yeah, well, I'm not uh, sure what they do. They like distill it in a certain way that pulls out yeah. like, like, chemicals in it, fermented in that bourbon yeah, or whatever they sure. would call it. But yeah. uh, so it's like super cleansing to like the throat into like the system and stuff like that too. But I've noticed just even so. Here's a cool, cool little story. Um, a couple weeks ago. Well, this was about two weeks after I started microdosing and that would have been about two months ago, maybe two and a half, three, whatever. So about two weeks after I started microdosing, I was doing a microdose every three days. Um, and I was going to go for 45 days, but like my yoga teaching schedule is kind of all over and doing one-on-ones and it's, sometimes I'm just not able to do it. So I'm listening to my body and my body will literally just tell me, Oh, you don't have much to do today. You need a microdose. Sure. Like, it's just that's what my rotation with microdosing has been lately, and cool. it's really been beneficial. But for, for like the first two to three weeks, I was doing a microdose every three days okay. because your tolerance goes up. You needed to come back down. Right. Um, right. But after like that two weeks, man, I had started to notice in the yoga room, my teaching was just fucking on point. Yeah. Like the words that were coming out of my mouth and the word, the sentences that I was creating to like get people from one posture to the next. And like just the, the way I'm being vocal into the room and just like not being a yoga teacher, it's hard to explain, but just my presence of even just my presence in my own body, right? Like I was starting to notice it and I wasn't talking to anybody in the yoga room or any fellow teachers about the microdosing journey that I was going on. Like if it, if it came up in a normal conversation, okay. But, uh, so anyway, my friend had come to my, to my class one morning and she's also a fellow teacher with me at reach. And she comes to my classes. We, you know, we try to take each other's classes and to learn from each other and all that. But anyway, 
she comes to my class like once a week, once every two weeks. And uh, she came to my class and it had been about a month since she had been to my class. Yeah. And we walked out of the room and we're standing by the front desk and she goes, she goes, James, she's like, your teaching has just, she's like trying to get the words out to explain it. She's like, you were just so you today in that room. She's like, you're just, your, your, your verbal cueing was just so on point. She's like saying all these things. And I'm just sitting in the back of my mind, just (laughs) taking that little, taking that little ego, just whatever, but just listening to what she had to say, ready to tell her. And I did when she was done i was like yeah i've been microdosing for two weeks she goes oh it makes so much sense (laughs) i'm like she's like from the last time i took your class until today which was like three four weeks she's like something has changed she's like your teaching is just so on like you're just so you your verbal cueing just like your presence and i'm like yeah i've been microdosing for two (laughs) weeks and we both just laughed and i'm like that's it like for somebody for somebody to just see that right and to, to recognize that and to notice that after just a two week period, I mean, I had done maybe four, four microdoses in that two right. week period. Right. But I mean, I started feeling that way after like two, Yeah. you know, maybe it even after the first you. one. Yeah. So just hurt to say that. And then me just smiling, like, yeah, yeah. Say what you got to say. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I've been microdosing for two weeks. I know where we're going with this. I think that's it. Like, I, I think it, it really gives you that. The, you know, because it is linked to brain growth. Right, you know, it, right. it really is. Studies have shown that, you know, in a couple hundred thousand or to a couple million years, like the, the brain doubled in size. And that could be due to, to you know, theory. our ancestors way the fuck ahead, yeah. you know? Yeah. Eating mushrooms and then learning fire and being able to eat meat on a fire and yeah. getting all that B12. And, but I think, yeah, they say so the main cause to is, it. Boom. Taking well, the mushrooms, have some brain growth. I don't know if you remember, number one, if you want to talk about the first time you took mushrooms, I remember you telling me that story. But the second, but the, what I wanted to echo before we get into that, <laughs> before we get into that, I wanted to bring up uh, that I remember that I hadn't, I had not um, taken your class probably for like a couple weeks at least, maybe the month time frame. But I do remember that after you we had talked and you took that first mic, that first microdose and then maybe we microdosed together. Mm-hmm. It was maybe within that week. Um, I took your class and I remember telling you after, I don't know if you remember, but basically I do. that same thing. I was like, dude, this was like the most present and like, you know, on point cueing that I've ever, you know, experienced from you. Yeah. Just it, dude, it just makes shit roll out more natural. natural. You just like feel it, it. it. I use words that are so much more beneficial in my classroom that I just never used to use. And I don't even, I'm not even practicing using these words until I'm in the room. You just feel it. It just, yeah, it's, it's just different. It's just do your research, please do your research. If it's something that you want to get into, do the research set and setting is so important. The people that you're with, the people that you surround yourself with, like I do a microdose still with somebody. Do you want to talk because. about your first? You want to talk about your first? Time? Yeah, Lauren. I, I'm just gonna throw her out. She won't mind. She, okay. She's a loving girl. She shout out is, Lauren, dope girl. Shout out to Lauren. She is a sweet soul, and she was there for me because I that a couple months ago was my first micro first time I ever had taken mushrooms. Right. You know, and you would meet me, and you would think, "Oh, this guy's taking tons of mushrooms," but no, like my anxiety, you know, the huge beard, the fear, and everything. You yeah, the I had teacher, a huge beard. I was all the shot got all tats up, all down the arm. Uh-huh. Yeah. But uh, I had a fear of psychedelics because of my anxiety. Um, but anyway, so a couple, yeah, 
a few months ago, I had done my first microdose and I think I weighed it out to about 0.3, um, you know, which could be on the brim of maybe getting a good body high or maybe some visuals depending on who you are and depending on what mushrooms you have. But um, I learned a deep lesson this day <laughs> and she also learned kind of a deep lesson, but it just resonates with who she is. So we, I, we had both taken the day to clear our schedules, do nothing. It was on a Tuesday. And I'm like, all right, my heart's pumping. I got this microdose yeah. in my hand. The anxiety's starting to go up. And I'm like, do, 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 do. Yeah. She's like, you're okay. You're safe. She's like, whatever you need, I'm here. You're safe. You know, like, you're yeah, good. Yeah, do yeah. it if you don't. Do it if you want to do it. We cheers, took our mushrooms. Um, you know, we're, we're chilling. And, and her focus was fully on making sure that I had the the first best experience that if anything was going to go wrong, she was there for me. She was going to, you know, guide me back into a place of, of, of safe, a safe space, whatever right. she needed to do. Like Lauren is a person that does microdoses. She does super heavy doses. She's done four grams. She's done six grams. This girl just does what she needs to do to heal her body. And she loves it. Um, so she was there for me that day, but she made the mistake by not, then taking care of herself. And when you're on mushrooms, it's very important to hydrate because right. the, glyco yes. the glycogen and all yes. that stuff gets pulled. You're, it is, like you said, a workout for your brain. Right. Mushrooms is a workout for your brain. It is on fire. Mm -hmm. It's firing on all cylinders, microdose or a heavy dose. It's working even if it doesn't feel like it. So it's pulling glucose and all of that stuff out of your brain. Fruits and you water. You need to hydrate. Fruit, yeah. hydration, water. She wasn't doing that all day long. And I'm just down and down in water and I'm yeah. pissing it out all day. I'm like, I'm good. Like I'm hydrated. I got a good steak in my belly to absorb it. She barely even ate. She was so focused on me and not drinking water. So, um, a couple hours goes by. It was a good time, you know, nothing too heavy, nothing too visual. And we're like, Hey, I was like, you know what? I'm, I want a little bit more. I just want to, I want a little bit more. Let's, let's, I want to get a little body, a little visual. So, you know, let's take point two. So we both are like, yeah, why not? We both take point two. We're all good to go. About an hour goes by. Her uh, her roommate then comes home, and uh, we're sitting up on the rooftop getting sunshine, and it's very hot. She's still. I didn't even realize this girl's just not drinking water all day, and and uh, she, you know. So her, her roommate gets home. We're all hanging out, and we're like, "Oh, let's go get some food." Like we had taken our micro their second one, like an hour and a half mm -hmm. before this. We're good. Nothing's gonna happen, like visual or whatever. It's all kicked in. So we go down into her room. This is where I made my mistake and something I will never do again because smoking marijuana, like I had already said, brings out some type of anxiety in me. It can or negative thoughts or self-worth or lack of this, lack of that. Right. So Lauren likes to smoke a little bit of weed to enhance her mushroom high, which is something she does, something most people do. Or a lot of people do. Some people don't. So she packs her bubbler, takes a little hit, and I'm like, you know what? Let's get high. Let's smoke a little <laughs> weed. So I take one small hit off the bubbler. About 10 minutes goes by. Boom. Both sets of shrooms kick in. The high kicks yeah. in. I'm like, oh, fuck. All right. I'm high. So it really kicked in when we were walking out to my car. And I, I look over at Lauren. She's completely fine. She's content. Yeah. And I hand her the keys. And I'm like, I cannot drive. There's no way you could drive us to the restaurant. But it's about a 50-50. I'm going inside. I'm so fucked up. <laughs> yeah. So I'm in the back seat. I let her room, her roommate just sit in the front. I'm in the back seat of my car. I'm just rolling the window down. Music's on. Fucking four grams of mushrooms are just hitting me hard. The weed's hitting me hard. 
So we go, we get to this restaurant, we uh, park around the corner, we walk to the restaurant and I'm a little chilly. Sometimes when I get anxiety, I get, I can feel, obviously it's a sense, sense enhancement. So like I feel a little bit cold and we get to the restaurant and uh, we're about a block and a half away. So if you walk down the street, take a right. And then my car is all the way down to the other end, like an L shape. And I'm like so much anxiety. This weed was just not what I needed in my life. And I'm like, fuck, I'm so high right now, but I'm like containing it and I'm just breathing. And I'm like, I'm like, Lauren, I'm like, I'm going to go to my car. I'm going to grab my sweatshirt. I'm going to get a drink of water. I'm going to breathe on the way there. I'll be right back. She knew because she has the same type of anxiety, like what I was going through. So she hands me my keys and she's like, you're okay. Take the time you need. We're right here. And I'm like, thank you. Right. And this whole day she had been so focused on me, right? Like she's probably just receiving all of my energy because two people on mushrooms in the same mushroom, same dose, like you're sharing a wavelength for sure. hundred percent. You're tapped into the same thing. Yeah. So I had walked away. I'm walking down the street, fucking slow as shit, just high. I get to my car, unlock it, take the drink of water, put on my sweatshirt. I had shut the door and I was on my way back. I was about a, it was about a minute walk and I was about halfway back and my phone vibrates and I look at it and Lauren texted me the, the heart emoji, just like sent it to me like, yeah. hey, here's, here's some heart. love. You're okay. You know what I mean? But her roommate, Darian, was with her. The second she sent that heart, I was like close to panic attack because I had smoked this weed, right? right? And the second she sent me that heart, she sent me the heart, put her phone back into her purse, passed out. Passed out cold. This girl has never passed out in her life. From a child to teenager to adult, she's never dropped to the floor in her life. So crazy. So I get back and she's on the bench, pale, fucked up, like just all sorts of out of it, just not there. Darian's with her, just like, hey, she passed out. So my first (laughs) my first thought is, um, we took the same amount of mushroom. We smoked the same amount of weed. When is my turn to get all fun? like I thought I thought I was about to go in trippy land, dude. I'm like, no, I never took yeah. mushroom before, so I had no idea. I'm yeah. like, oh no. I'm like, okay, 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 okay. I'm like, no, dude, you're not about to trip out. You're 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 not. You're not about right. to trip. I felt Probably like I was not. starting to because my anxiety started enhancing, so I had some blood flow go into the brain and my heart's pumping like a motherfucker. But I was like, no take control of this situation. And I think that's where the mushrooms kicked in over the weed. Yeah. And it was like, dude, take control. She's fucked up. She's, she needs you right now. No matter right. if you start tripping hard as balls, and you can't even right. function. Or if you don't, either way, you got to take control of your body. You got to take control of this scenario and just be here for her. Because Darian mm-hmm. is kind of freaking out. He's like, she, she wasn't on mushrooms. Yeah, she wasn't on mushrooms or was she high? She had just gotten home from work, but she was just kind of frantic, having a bad day. And I'm like, okay. So I sat next to Lauren. I'm like, okay, she needs water and she needs food. And I'm high as shit. How am I going to get this to her? And I look inside the restaurant. I walk up to the hostess and I'm like, okay, I'm looking at her and she's kind of like, <laughs> her face starts moving. I'm all, I'm all fucked up. And I go, lady, get your face straight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I'm like, ma'am. I'm like, my friend has low blood sugar, I think. I think she's a little dehydrated. She passed out. We just need some food. If you see, They had just opened because they were waiting outside in line for, right. for this place to open at 5 p.m. So when everybody walked in, that's when she PM. passed p.m. When she had yeah. walked in, that's when she passed out. 
So she oh, okay. passed out right before she had walked into the front doors. And right. I walked up to this, this hostess fucked up and I'm like, I need, if you have anything that you started on the grill, I'm like, we will pay for it. I would like, we'll pay extra. I just need some water and like some potatoes. And yeah. I'm like, I'm like, all right. I'm like, you got that? She's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> did I make sense? <laughs> I'm like, am I? Do, Your is face okay? is moving like it didn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm like, oh shit, I'm so high. So I walk back out. I'm like, Lauren, there's potatoes and water on the way. She's still like out cold almost. And they bring it out and, you know, she's able to sit up and eat her potatoes and drink her water. And, you know, long story short, she was low blood sugar, hadn't eaten and drinking water like all day. The, you know, the mushrooms, you know, it makes you dehydrated. It makes your brain work. And, you know, she was so focused on me. And then, you know, I think the second that she sent that heart emoji. Right. Because my anxiety all went away within like a minute span, you know, like she sent me that heart emoji. And I think I can get all woo woo and people can be like, Oh, you're fucking, you're going into whatever kind of land and whatever, but you had to kind of be there. But I think she just grabbed all of that anxiety, all of that energy. And she pulled it away from me by sending that heart because she knew he needs this for a moment. She sent that to me and passed out. And then all of my anxiety went away. Because I walked yeah. up to her for, for about 10 seconds. I'm thinking, okay, I'm about to trip the fuck out. But then 10 seconds, uh, 10 seconds went by. I'm like, nope, boom. All the it's anxiety gone. went away. All the fear went away. All the self-doubt that I couldn't handle this moment went away. And I think it all went into her. And I, I mean, I feel bad because we were talking about it later. And I'm like, Lauren, I got to admit something. I'm like, I think you passed out because of me. I'm like, I think you passed out because you knew that I was having anxiety. You knew that I might have a panic attack. And I think you stole that from me. And she's like, honestly, yeah. I didn't want to say anything, but I was having the same thought. And then we just burst <laughs> out laughing and the rest of the night. Oh, and my God. I, 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 was just, I believe it. Yeah. And I was just so proud of myself to take care of that situation yeah. and to like overcome like a fear and a doubt in this. And, right. You know, understanding like, hey, situation. like, hey, dummy don't get high because it already gives you anxiety sometimes when you have self-doubt and then you're on mushrooms, which is making you think a little bit more on the other spectrum. So, you know, just take the mushrooms by themselves. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so cool story. It was my, and the thing is like, that was my first time I ever took mushrooms and I had to go through that experience and it was so terrifying for just a split second. And (sighs) yeah, there's a, you know, the, the world doesn't give you what you want. It gives you what you need. You know? And I needed that. I needed, needed that. that whole experience. Yeah, I yeah. needed that. And, and then I feel like she kind of saved my bad experience from me freaking the fuck out. And yeah, you know, I mean, so such a, what is, is the word empathetic, but she's like a, uh, empath. She, she an empath. Yeah. I mean, I would call Maybe. her, if you want to get a little witchy and woo woo, a healer, just like a natural okay. born healer. You know what I mean? Like okay. she does take yeah. a lot of people's energies and she does kind of, she's I mean, more worry of a, about, don't worry about witchy and woo woo. The the last episode, it yeah, okay, good, it took good. that to the next level. Yeah, good, we're we're I past that. We're good. past that on this ep- on this podcast. Good, yeah. good. And then, you know, take that story with whatever you want to take it with. You know, and and, right. and you know, just I I definitely learned from it, and I experienced something that was yeah, pretty I mean, pretty crazy. On my first time on mushrooms, and uh, you know, learned some lessons, and 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 I think so did she. But uh, I think it was a good first experience. I'm, I'm happy about it. <laughs> I mean, you're still, you're still here, right? Yeah. You're stronger because of it. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, you know, so, but well, man, uh, dude, you know, I, 
I think that's the perfect spot to end it. We went through depression. We went through anxiety. We oh, got yeah. the mushrooms. We didn't get to aliens. We didn't get to the aliens, but, but hey, I rocked the shirt and it says that uh, it's, it's dropping the little tidbits. Cause, uh, in the last episode, we kind of touched on, uh, aliens a little bit. Good, yeah. Display yeah. It, it says, this is not an abduction. It is a rescue. And I hope uh, that one day they will rescue us from all the chaos and take us to this beautiful planet with all the mushrooms I think and we, all the psilocybin. And... I think we got to rescue ourselves first. We do. I think. I, that's what I believe. Um, I think so. But that's a whole, that's a whole, whole other rabbit. That's a whole other rabbit hole. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and we started touching on that last podcast too. So I, I think it's like we need to kind of – this whole like podcast thing is kind of building and we'll – I think we'll get to that extraterrestrial stuff at some point. But yeah. you know, I think for the time being, we kind of got to – I don't know. Let's work, let's work on what we can manage right now, right? Oh, yeah, the, and I think we got the most out of it. We got through the anxiety, talked about depression, talked about you being a yoga teacher, um, then connected it all with psilocybin and weed at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, anything you want to plug or any closing remarks you want to make? Just, uh, I just, you know, a simple message is people just to be them. Like I know in your last podcast, you had talked about like the, um, you know, like if your parents are pushing you towards something or your aunt or uncles, your brothers, your sisters, like you got to do what you want to do and you got to do right. what you want to do. That's going to make you happy, successful and a, a, just a good human in this world because we have, we just have too many people that are not doing what they want to do or not facing their fears. And whether that's right. teaching yoga, quitting your job, going to a different country, taking up surfing, going, jumping out of an airplane or changing your diet or whatever it may be. Like it's going to suck. Fight the battles, you know, and, and push through because, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel. If you want something bad enough and if it's a possibility in your life, like obviously like I'm not going to play in the NBA, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, it's just not for you. It's exactly. Not what you want to do. You know, yeah. so, you know, there, there's something for everybody. And a lot of people don't have that figured out, but there's a, there's, there's ways. And, and, you know, just to make the adjustments and take the steps like, like you have, I mean, man. You know what the I mean? The journey is the destination, you know. It might take years and it might take months. It might take, it is exactly. seconds. Who knows? So it, just, it's all different for everybody, right? Just do you. Do you. Do yeah. what you got to do to be you, the best version of yourself. Fucking do some yoga. Do some yoga. It's Meditate. for everybody. I don't care if you're not flexible. Yeah. That's the first excuse that I hear every time that someone doesn't. But I'm not flexible. But you know what? It's also about strength, balance, alignment, and flexibility, along right. with a million other things that, that are involved with yoga. Number one right. being your breath. Breathing is so important. It's something we didn't get to touch on today. We will in the future. But if you can find a good breathing practice, it is can change your life it can change your life in so many ways and yoga can be a good start to that working out sitting in a sauna anything to, to to test your body and to get your heart rate up and to to get a good just natural breath the in, blood breath flow out, blood flow everything so yeah just work hard be you do you you know whatever's going to make you happy it's the, the only answer is within you 100 percent that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, dude, James, I really appreciate you coming on. Super grateful for you. So no glad you're in my life. You know, I, yeah, we're, we got breath to talk about the next time you come <laughs> on. We got aliens to talk about. Breath and aliens. It'll be it. We got, yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully we're able to do it in Brazil. Maybe you can find a way down there and we'll Absolutely, record baby. one, record Absolutely. one down in uh, South America. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, thank you so much, guys, everyone listening, watching on YouTube. You can find it on all the streaming platforms. You know, like, comment, share, subscribe. That shit helps with the whole algorithm thing. Um, make sure you're watching this thing through if you can. Uh, 
download redownload that shit helps too with uh you know whatever share but it up share it yes. share it dude that's that's huge in itself sharing it share it with anyone who's going through depression who has thought about these ideas before who you know is interested in these topics that we're sharing because you know again i you know, I care about the numbers and everything. Of course, that's a part of my mind, but I just, I'm doing this to help people. If 100%. one person listens to James' story and gets something out of it, the last two hours and however many hours I'm going to put into advertising this and sharing it has been worth every single second and energy of it. Um, so at the end of the day, just, you know, I appreciate everyone listening. Thank you for being here. If something we said, you know, doesn't resonate with you, feels weird, whatever, Meditate on it. Think it through. Why does it feel that way? Happy to engage in any conversation, assuming it's coming from a happy place. If you're coming from anger, I will ignore it. <laughs> um, other than that, you know, let's uh, let's grow together. And thanks again, James. No doubt. Thanks for having me, my brother. All right. Take care.